All right. Are we ready? Okay, let's, trying let's to get awake. Ah. Jacob's sure, very that. ready. Yeah, ready. Ready as I can be. Tristan's having a strong. Yeah. <laughs> strong. <laughs> Call a bombulance. <laughs> Tristan's not having a stroke. He's having a strong. It's a, it's a stroke, but it's really strong. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's just a okay. different degree of having a stroke. <laughs> Yeah, it's called strong. It's just it's it's a I'm really a bad one. That's what it is. All right, let's get into it. Hello, one of many listeners. Welcome to the one of many podcasts. I'm being very loud right now. I'm gonna back off a little bit. Hi, hi guys. I'm no, sorry. No, scream at them. <laughs> That was that was a little that was a little intimidating. I'm sorry. No, I, I'll back off. No, I'll back off. I, I don't want to be so aggressive. More intimidating. This is something near and dear to our hearts. <laughs> Honestly, yes, yes. For me, at least for me, aha, a hundred percent. We're talking about Scott Pilgrim. We're talking about fucking Scott Pilgrim today. Finally, mm-hmm. I've been, we've been wanting to talk about trying this. Trying to do this for we've months. been trying to do this for months. I've wanted to talk about it since we started this fucking podcast. I've just I'm. It's finally I, happening. I, it's, it's finally here. fucking the episode that happening. will probably never go out. And if you are listening to it, it's a fucking miracle. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it might be. It just might be. Uh, I've had a crazy journey with this book, though. I've read it when I was a teenager. Read it again now that I'm an adult, and completely different things, completely different feels that I went through both times reading it. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing it uh, a kind of like a character study today. Uh, we want to try and take a look at all of the relationships of the characters um, and the relationships they have with each other. Um, we kind of, we, uh, we realize that, like, this book, as much as it's about, like, love and romance and, you know, being an adult, like, it's really primarily about uh, a willingness to change. Um, mm. And Scott, of course, has his incredibly weird journey with change uh very hard journey as as an adult a very hard journey to follow sometimes if i didn't know where like if i had read this for the first time as an adult i don't know that i would have been uh sticking with scott for as long as i did um i really did not like him this time around but we're gonna talk about that later because we're gonna end on scott um to start off let's talk about something completely unrelated to this <laughs> this is like my fourth time reading through it or something and just total aside that i want to get in here before we dive into the meat yes, and potatoes yes, yes, of this yes. is just the references i love just the random small references peppered throughout this entire thing there was a new one that hit me really close to home this time because it felt just like tailored for me and my weird tastes because in volume two, when they're sitting around on page 80 and Neil holds up a copy of the Now magazine with Clash Demon Head on them, one of the lines, for the first time ever, I actually read what was on the cover of that magazine. One of the lines on there is, make headlines, believe them, come back. That is <laughs> a line from the new pornographer's song, The Fake Headlines. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. <laughs> Which I just find amazing to be on the cover of the fake cover of a real magazine. That is awesome. 
So that just and that was just a beautiful thing that I had missed every time. More relevant today than ever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to derail it for that little fun tidbit yeah. there. All good. Um, but Tristy, you you mentioned how this book is all about like romance and stuff. And before I want to do the the thing, uh, I want to mention that. Being in, like, so I'm currently in a relationship, as I've talked about this on this podcast quite a bit. Um, very proud of yourself. Yes, I'm very, uh, yeah, 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 you know, it's great. He's allowed. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me, Garth. Um, <laughs> but, so, uh, being in a relationship where, with someone who has gone through a lot of trauma, and having, like, gone through a lot of different stuff, and then reading this book again, with that, like, being in that mindset and being in that situation uh you it stands out a lot more and so you see the book less as like a a book about like relevant romance and stuff and more about the trials and tribulations of adulthood which i feel like that's kind of what the book was really trying to get across hmm. um yeah. well that's, yeah, that's, that's brian that's brian lee o'malley's shtick <laughs> <laughs> it really it, yeah yeah it is <laughs> Yeah, the, the, um, the very definite through line for a lot of these is growing up and adulting is hard. It really is. <laughs> and anybody who tells you it isn't has just gotten through the hard part already. They're liars. <laughs> yeah, they're lying to you. <laughs> uh, um, but anyways, uh, I feel a good way to start this whole conversation off and this whole kind of diving into the different characters would be to talk about the one who throughout the book for the reader at least changes the least until it just happens which would have to be Stephen Stills mm -hmm. where he goes from being this guy who's just kind of a friend to Scott and is constantly referred to as Stephen Stills by our main character Scott and turns into uh, a guy who finds himself and we see none of it because uh, Scott doesn't notice, but <laughs> yep. let's, let's discuss about that and <laughs> yeah, how Stephen Stills changes. Yeah, he really does. To anyone but Scott. Just not on screen. Yeah. Not on paper. No, yeah. no. You, but you like, see a lot of his, you see a lot of his stress in the background because he's kind of figuring out a lot of things, but we never see that in the forefront. It's always just, wow, Stephen seems really wound up about everything. And he's <laughs> kind of iffy on this. And wow, he looks a bit uncertain about things here. But well, like when you look at when you look at his like his history and like from from what we see, at least in the books, um, he is kind of stuck. Like he he's he's actively, it seems, searching to change in his life or to grow as a person or to grow his career. Like he wants change in in a lot of different areas um and he is kind of stuck in the same routine working at this working at this job that he doesn't seem to hate but he clearly wants more he clearly really has a passion for making music and for having a band and for like getting something out of it like wanting to do that um mm -hmm. he you know he's been with julie for like since university and this on and off relationship that d doesn't ever change the dynamic never changes <laughs> of it it's always julie's kind of a bitch and steven just kind of puts up with it for a little bit and then they break up and then they're not broken up and then they're back together um 
Of course, until just yeah, we've, yeah. we've all seen this relationship before. <laughs> it's never healthy. No, <laughs> but you know, then he figures out that he doesn't. He's gay. <laughs> he's gay. He's yeah, gay. I love, and I love. In retrospect, you can see him figuring that out throughout it. Like in volume, I think in volume four, it is when they're at Julie's uh, be- Julie's aunt's beach house, and they're talking mm-hmm. about things. He has. There's one reaction to something said to him where. It, does have that kind of God, I'm going to stop this spitball and actually see if I can find this like somebody yeah. makes a quip to him about his relationship with Julie and he has this kind of like yeah kind of pained reaction like it's like he's thinking things over a lot God, where is that even no it might not be there I'm curious because that scene doesn't go on for very long no might not be there it's there <laughs> They're talking about Julie. Was she's it not, when yeah, she was know. singing the song? Hmm? Or he was singing the song and she's like, <laughs> that song was about me. Yeah, that really, she says, she says, you know, that really pisses me off. And he says, yeah, I played it just for you. Happy birthday, baby. <laughs> and Julie says, Stephen, most of your songs just bore me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you can, you contrast that with Joseph, who he's literally like sitting there for like the entire night just staying up working on the music and just refining it and tuning it mm-hmm. um and of course that clearly clearly that was a bond that they had <laughs> even mm-hmm. though even though he kind of seems like a little bit of a like it's, it's kind of funny because julie's like a complete bitch and joseph's kind of a dick so yeah. that's still kind of his type vocal and mean to just everyone he's just constantly telling steven you need better friends you need yeah, different I... friends these friends are dicks and he's not wrong <laughs> he's not <Yeah>. wrong <laughs> but it's big... it's it's cool because he's the like you know like that's a i i'm speaking as as a straight person like i'm from talking to like even you guys and talking to some of my other friends that have like come to terms with either like being gay or bisexual or whatever the, whatever it may be that's a pretty big thing to have to like figure out come to terms with reconcile with and then act on yeah um and he's just kind of he's just like as far as we see he just kind of goes with it <laughs> hmm. mm-hmm. it's just like ah yeah i guess i'm it turns out i'm gay <laughs> yeah he, he accepts the change very freely and openly it seems very natural too. Like, yeah, of course. As well as uh, when you're going back and rereading it, knowing that information and wanting to, uh, and knowing that the reader themselves doesn't see it because Scott doesn't see it. Yeah. Then looking for okay, well Brian knew, so obviously he drew it into the pages and just didn't point it out. So mm. even in. It was a uh, yeah, volume four. You can see that that relationship is forming because, sure, like Julie's there at the big dinner at the end of the book with Lisa and her mm-hmm. little going away thing, but Julie's sitting a little farther away, and Joseph is straight next to Stephen, hmm. and they're like pretty much cuddling up a little bit. <laughs> you can see that, yeah, they're not out yet, but they're certainly. Like, all that time recording, 
wasn't just like working <laughs> on the music. Well, they made music together, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, they did. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's really sweet. Mm. I, I, like uh, in in terms of the music, actually, it again he's very just good with change. When Scott falls off the face of the earth um, after the breakup with Ramona, he has like he's just he he's very quick to move on to be like, okay, well you're doing this thing. I still want to make my music. I still want to have a mm. band. So he goes and finds another band. We don't actually know who that band is. I mean, didn't that already yeah. happen once before? He's just got experience dealing with it at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> way back when, when Kid Chameleon broke up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think is it's... There, a... Is there anywhere where we can actually listen to some of that music? Like, I'm... not the muse, not like the movie, but just did they ever get like a, enough of a fan base where they actually recorded songs that sound in the style of what we probably would think Maybe, it is? Because there, there's like the in volume one, there's the chord progression on the pages <laughs> like, along with like C G C G D. Yeah, yeah, just basic <laughs> chords. It's the three easiest fucking chords. <laughs> it's it's a game for Sega Genesis. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of video game references. Almost all of the bands are video game references. Uh, mm-hmm. Clash at Demon Head is a is an NES game. It's an old NES game. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh! I, I that I was, I don't think it was Japan only, but it was very unpopular outside of Japan. It wasn't really big. I mean that's fair. Hmm. That's fair. But yeah, of course, I, I, Sonic and Knuckles. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. That, like, Sex Bomb and Sonic and Knuckles absolutely figured that out easy. Did not mm-hmm. know Kid Chameleon or Clash of Demon Handle games as well. Yeah. What about Shatterband? <laughs> Don't think so. Does that mean no. Crash the Boys? Yeah, the be. Boys and Crash are a band too, or a game too? It's uh, Crash Bandicoot. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Probably. I swear to God. I swear okay. that's uh, actually Side note, it. that the Crash and the Boys... And then the crash having a hostile takeover from the boys yeah. is, is easily my favorite joke throughout the entire book series. <laughs> but back to Steven. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I kind of think we said what we need to with Steven. He's 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 a good example of he's 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 like the hallmark example of a character that is willing to change, which not a lot of the characters are. Most of the characters in this series are very resistant to change, and also. A note about Scott and how fucking oblivious he is to everything that is outside of his, like, immediate concern. Yeah. (laughs) And how kind of little he cares about all the people around him. But we'll come back to that later. We're probably going to say that a lot while we're going through the other characters, though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's fine. Just means that uh, you're going to have to stick around to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, another character, he's same kind of just like arc happening in the background is Kim as well. She Kim is that. a very good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, even outside of her re- her interactions with Scott, she's got that whole fling with, um, with Jason Kim that kind of starts, goes places, and then falls to shambles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Scott doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's another one of those, it's another, he's got a few people like this that we see throughout the whole book, including, like, people that he should be aware of, like Gideon, like all of the evil exes. Mm. He's constantly meeting people for the first time, 
uh, or or not for the first time. He's constantly meeting people, thinking it's the first time they met when they've actually met like three or four times before. Yeah. But to him, they just don't exist because they're not like a part of his daily life. Mm. He's he he. I don't want to get too much into it now. We're gonna get to him. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> no, get just to like, him. Oh, we can talk about yes. Everything <laughs> ties into Scott because it's always through his perspective, so it yeah. always ties so intrinsically back to him. But oh. but yeah, but back. Back to Kim, it's like... Go ahead. Back to Kim, yeah. It's like seeing, like, her arc that she goes through in that, because it's largely in the background, and you notice it more when you know about it and looking back and reading it, because, like, you notice, oh, hey, Jason Kim's helping her move, and, oh, hey, he's at Sneaky D's with them when they're hanging out, and he keeps showing up in various places, and Mm -hmm. at one point she's on the phone with presumably him, and it's just these little background details that when you put the dots together, like, oh, that's when that was happening. Yeah. And looking back on it, you're completely oblivious to it in the moment, much like Scott, because he just <laughs> is the detail that just care. gets dropped to the background. Um well her her interesting with Scott or her her interesting <laughs> I said words. Her interesting. <laughs> yes. Her, her her relationship with Scott is uh pretty interesting because it kind of seems like it seems like Scott's kind of holding even though she like they're just friends and even that is kind of like i don't even know if they're really friends for a lot of this book um yeah, but it, it seems it's like it's he's holding very, her back it's a very strange relationship for kim it seems a lot like he like scott's holding her back um even though like he doesn't have any direct control over her life um or even like a really heavy influence like they 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 have the band together um but other than that, like, he's not, he doesn't work with her. He doesn't, like, go hang out with her, really. He doesn't go really hang out with anybody, honestly. Yeah. Um, unless somebody else is dragging him along. Yeah, it's like the, mo- um, the most he interacts with him is when he's out and about doing stuff like getting reference for which evil Lexi's currently fighting or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and Kim seems, like, just rather miserable a lot of the time. Mm. um and and it's i it's weird because i think that to 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 an extent she really does genuinely feel comfortable with scott um like she's like she she has of course this like this like mean bitch thing going on um where she's just like she's rude to everybody and she's like uh but it it kind of seems like she's o- like she's okay with that about herself you know like that's something that she she doesn't have necessarily a problem with um and you know with scott like he doesn't he doesn't really like react a lot when she when she's rude to him and says things like you know like you're scum (laughs) (laughs) and if your if your life had a face i would punch it he he's like he has his own like weird cutesy dorky way of reacting to it but he doesn't get like vile like you know like julie does or like any of her roommates do Mm -hmm. um to her behavior so it's like it it seems like this is almost like a comfort food for her um because there's there's a point where she um where she's talking about some of her her previous relationships i think with simon the dude from high school yeah um and she says that like she was being nice um for for a period of time just to get the attention of a guy um, like that was the purpose of it. So like she she 
she doesn't generally like to be nice. Like, that's something unnatural for her. That's a mask that she has to put on and be for people in order to get their attention or get them to, to like them or get them to feel comfortable with them at first. Well, yeah, um, it's like when she opens up to people, she generally tends to be kind of frank and blunt. Yeah. Which can rub a lot of people the wrong way. Like, <laughs> In volume five, uh, yeah, yeah. In volume five, when she's talking a lot more with Ramona, she does come across as very blunt a lot of the yeah. time. But that seems to be like how she's more comfortable with talking to people, just being upfront and honest and sometimes abrasive. But she she gives genuine feedback. She genuinely says like she speaks her mind and and she calls out what she sees. Which, mm. like you said, a lot of people get can uh, get rubbed the wrong way by that. Um, Scott doesn't get rubbed the wrong way by that, but he also doesn't act on any of it. <laughs> no. He doesn't, he doesn't actually take in any of the stuff that she said, because, like, she's constantly ragging on him, and, you know, at first, especially, like, early on in the series, like, it seems like, oh, that's just kind of her, she's just kind of, she's just kind of mean, she's kind of rude, whatever, but then, like, you know, the more time that you spend with Scott, you realize she's actually right about a lot of the stuff that she says, but it comes off as very mean and vindictive. Um, mm. When really, she's just... its She's just genuinely... It, by the, we, the time we get to the end of the, the series, but by the time we get to volume six, it, you realize that she's actually just looking out for him. Mm-hmm. She's actually like, dude, you have problems, and you got to fix these problems, because these are real major problems, and he you just have, brushes them off. He just doesn't... You have, you have problems, and you don't even make an attempt to move towards them unless somebody kicks you so here i go kicking you (laughs) well he doesn't he doesn't take it in though is the thing like he 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 rolls criticism off his back like water off a duck (laughs) um for what i kind of noticed with kim though uh is that i wouldn't say that her that like Scott is holding her back in any way. I would say it's more Kim looking for some kind of closure with Scott because hmm. when, from what I noticed when like Pete looking at this book, looking specifically knowing that at some point there is a visible change with Kim. She doesn't totally do it in the background and you see it. And it's when Scott leaves her at the bus and sa- says, uh, hey Kim I'm sorry for everything and she says it's okay and then he closes looks down and says I'm sorry for me and then she smiles and says apology accepted and from that <laughs> point on whenever we see Kim talk to Scott there is no uh, backhandedness there is no uh, like Scott I hate you <laughs> it's like Scott you're just you need to be better you're not you're holding things back and you see that Kim always has liked Scott and has always considered Scott a friend, but knows that Scott hurt her in a way that not even he knows or realizes or is seeing until it's time. Also, I she's want... really depressed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. It's a through line for a lot of characters here. Um... They're like a one point where I noticed that Kim was extremely depressed has to be in it was volume two. I think it was when they are going to see envy and 
uh, Kim is sitting in the back in the background, sitting on the couch and saying, uh, like, she's not that pretty. And then, like, buries herself inside. Mm. And then every time that you see Kim after that point, uh, when they're talking to Envy, Kim is extremely dressed up. She's dropped the whole hoodie and ever all that and wearing high heels, very mm. concerned about her appearance. Interesting. Uh, I noticed that. You didn't notice that? <laughs> no. Well, like I, I noticed, I noticed it in the one spot, like because they get, uh, they get invited to open for for Clash, um, in that third volume, um, and the way that I, 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 I read that as like, oh, they're getting prettied up because it's like this is an opportunity for them because Steven gets dressed up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I, I noticed it any point after that. I, that hadn't clicked with me, but I'm pretty. I'm like I'm. I'm, not, I'm acknowledging that though. Yeah. <laughs> not saying you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was my second reading when I kind of noticed it, and then on my on my third reading, it was okay. I gotta pay attention to this. There is something <laughs> here. And yeah, Kim shows, and her entire facade breaks of how she's a like a massive bitch all the time to everyone. And you can see that really what's going on is that Kim is extremely insecure about mm. her appearance and is not having a good time in Toronto at all. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you can... For whatever reason she came here, it was not for the right ones. Yeah. You can, you can see that, that self-consciousness coming out in the beginning when um, back in the scene, I mentioned at the start of this episode when they're, sitting around talking about them on the cover of the magazine kim is just kind of quietly talking to herself i was like i saw the cover she looks pretty yeah Mm. that was the moment yeah and yeah after that after that whenever they do show up at places she is putting more emphasis on her appearance than she seems to at any other point in the series yeah a lot of the characters comment on it too actually mm-hmm. i'm just realizing that like pretty much every time she shows up pretty up to somewhere I, like you know her friends are like what the fuck <laughs> yeah after uh after like that moment kim goes back to just kind of wearing different things and just mm-hmm. not really like putting a lot of effort into her appearance but a little bit more mm-hmm. from what i remember Um, I don't know if we want to talk about uh, Kim when Scott sees her at home at this moment, or does that fit more mm. in Scott? We'll we'll talk a, we'll talk a little bit about that one later. Okay, I think I, th- I think we'll get to that later because that's a pretty big moment. Yeah, too. yeah. Because there's moment. a lot more about Kim that I want to talk about in that moment. But yeah, kind of, I, I mean, if you want to talk about it exclusively related to Kim. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then um, I can absolutely do that. Watch me. So (laughs) when uh, Kim's back at home and talking with her parents and everything, she's a lot less bitchy to Scott. She's a lot nicer. And when uh, Scott goes in for the kiss and then they just start going with it, rather than what you would expect from Kim at this point, she says no and tell scott like this we shouldn't do this this is not how we should do this uh and the last time that any interaction of that sort happened with them was when 
Kim and Scott went through subspace and held hands and immediately uh, departed from that point. That hmm. was the last like physical interaction that was between them. So this moment is really weird of Kim rolling with it and then not having some weird averse reactions like, Scott, you got to go home or any of this stuff, but rather moving on to um, the Nega Scott moment, which we will talk more about later. Yeah. Uh, and then when Scott's going back home, Kim gives him a kiss on the lips, showing that Kim's like completely changed from when we saw her in Toronto. She's on a better path. She's overcoming her depression. She's finding what she needs to do. Yeah. Uh, there was a like a one-off line of Kim going back to school and then decides not to do that when she gets back home, but rather just find herself. <laughs> and then when we find Kim at the end of the book, she's smiling. They're in a band. Yeah, and... well, they're jamming. Yeah, and when... <laughs> really badly. <laughs> yeah, but they're loud. And when the, when she's saying, she makes like rather than a snide comment, she makes a joke. It's like, oh yeah, the only two people who'd ever like us, uh, they they got taste. Yeah, and it's like, damn, Kim changed a hell of a lot. Yeah, it's like there's still that snide aspect to her, but she seems genuinely more happy. Yeah. yeah. It's not a, like a, a mean snide anymore. It's just a, more of a Kim casual being mm-hmm. Kim. And of course, you know, one of those fans really did grow a lot of taste and really did change a lot uh, as I forced this segue down everybody's really throats to talk about Knives Chow. <laughs> <laughs> that poor, sweet, misguided angel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, she, Jake, is there anything you want to talk about Kim before we move on? Oh, yeah. Nope. <laughs> no no yeah, let's just steamroll over the fourth person here it's fine you guys are you guys seem to have this covered all right well then jacob is there anything you want to talk about knives before we jump in because i feel like you would have a lot in common with the weeb with the weeb <laughs> she's yeah. chinese dude we're gonna cut that bit <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't get to run away from your shame that easily. I'm the fucking editor. I can cut what I want. <laughs> There's your cold open, in. baby. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Tristan, Tristan, you've given this man too much power. <laughs> it's going to his head. Um, um, but Jacob, is there anything about knives that you want to bring up? Bring start us off. No. With? <laughs> okay. No. I got knives. Is knives. Um. Yeah. Okay, but why? <laughs> why but is knives knives? Why is knives? Why 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 is, why knives? is knives? Um Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think of what do you think about her relationship with Scott? Like from from uh, like up to their breakup. What do you think about about their relationship? Oh, it's meaningless. There is nothing there. It's it's She's putting in all the effort, but Scott is more there just kind of looking for a good time, I feel. Like, he just doesn't who, want to be alone. He was a total fucking loser. So he <laughs> found someone who was um, more willing to date someone like him. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, um... What do you think about, like, her obsession with Scott? Um. 
it's about normal. It's it's kind of what you. <laughs> it's about normal. Yeah, it's about, it's it's about, about normal for a seventeen-year-old to have a shrine. It, it, you know what, man? Fucking, you move around as much, you meet some weird fucking people. All right, that that just seems normal. That just seems like normal, crazy teenager things. Fucking teenagers do crazy <laughs> shit sometimes. That's that's all. Including including parkouring around the Toronto Reference Library and throwing knives at hey, people. Hey, you know what? Everybody's got a way of dealing with their own shit. Uh, knives was just tossing <laughs> knives at people. Right? And, uh... Yeah, trying to... She just wanted to be loved. Right? She wanted a connection. And, yeah. She, uh, I... I feel like it's hard Knives to get those probably sometimes, has especially when the, the other strongest as like arc through. Yeah. So sometimes this it series. just ends up badly. Oh like, yeah, more than any of the other characters because she, she real, goes It took her a year, but she got like, there. A place right? that she is realizes that wasn't what she needed or what she wanted. Pretty pretty problematic. Like the the, the a lot of the issues that she she has are like not only issues with herself or only issues with her situation or only issues with the people around her it's everything she's yeah. got she's got her own stuff to work through and she's got to deal with p- other people kind of being not great to her and she's got to deal with like just the situation that she's in and the way that she's living her life like they they there's there's stuff coming from all sides <laughs> and she she handles it very well by the end of it by the end of it <laughs> yeah which is more than it could be said of scott Right, fucking all his shit kind of happened between that time period for him, right? Between high school to that, he just never worked on. No, that. I mean, and continued happening for the rest of the series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I found interesting about Knives is that it's a very straightforward arc too. There's no kind of like wibble wobbly with it. It's in this book, Knives is going to do this. And this is this. And you see the progression very clearly, even though it's happening outside of Scott. She had a strong enough connection with Scott from the very beginning, being that the entire book opens with the fact that Scott is dating knives. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the, the way it is because I want to save that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> knives goes from being completely obsessed with scott and uh and then goes to doubting scott and goes to uh overcoming her entire problem with ramona to the point where she is the one to kickstart the final change with that happens within ramona which is extremely powerful and uh for knives like Ramona aside, just the fact that Knives was able to talk to Ramona in such a like very um, like brutal way, it's extremely brutal for both of them, and she's the one spearheading that conversation. And all of this happens away from Scott as well. It's we actually see this as Knives' story. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. It's, of, we we don't have a lot of moments like that, do we? No, of, we don't have any times... moments of like uh, Stephen Stills just sitting there working with uh, Joseph, and then like you see him growing together, or 
uh, Kim sitting there in her apartment alone. There's, there's not a lot of not Scott. Yeah, <laughs> the few times that there is not Scott, a lot of the times it's cutting to what uh, Knives really is doing. Boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, actually, shit, I didn't realize that. We oh, yeah. like uh, to really bring home that point as well. At no point in the book do we see Ramona just doing Ramona things. And she's like one of the biggest characters of this entire book. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I never realized that. That but like that absolutely is the case. We don't ever see any of the other characters like really spending time on their own. Like we see sometimes like, you know, they'll be at like a club or a bar or something and Scott will be doing something and then it'll like cut to what the other characters are also doing at the same location. Mm-hmm. But Nice is the only one that we actually see consistently like they're having their own story completely somewhere else. Um, whereas like with all the other characters, like we get a couple of quick cuts with Envy at some points and sometimes we see a couple of the other characters having moments with each other. But it's usually around Scott. It's yeah. usually not separate of him. Scott is either yeah. just about to walk into the room, is in the room, or has just recently left the room. Yeah. Or is in the <laughs> other room, getting beaten up by a robot. Um, I, I, I want to talk about um, Knives' uh, kind of, I think, her pivotal moment. Like, the moment that we really see that she's starting to improve and change herself. Um, even though she's not all the way there yet, in Volume 3, when her and Scott are talking in that alley um, outside of the bar. 100%. And uh, actually, hold on. I want to bring it. I, I, I pinged it because I wanted to make sure I got exactly what uh, what she says. Um, yeah, that, that scene was like a nice little quiet reprieve in the middle of that. It is, but it's also another great example of Scott being a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Don't worry, um, we'll, we'll get to uh, the entire segment of Scott is not a great person. I know, that's good. <laughs> uh, I, spoiler alert, the entire bit about Scott is going to start with us all fucking talking about how much we do not like Scott. Yeah. Um, that's in, that's, in... that's going to be hot can of beans to open. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that I noticed on this reading, especially. Um, but anyways, when they're having that talk in the alley, um, Knives uh, says that she's like, because they're, they're talking about their their breakup, right? They're talking about how they broke up a few weeks ago or whatever it was. I'm like, hey, don't, um, you, have, don't you have Neil now? <laughs> yeah. Um, but she says she's not totally happy, but there's no way that she'd go back to her old self. Um, like she's in the moment recognizing that she's in a lot of pain and she's suffering, but that that suffering is doing something for her. She doesn't want to be oblivious to the circumstances that are surrounding her. She doesn't want to not experience that pain because that pain is giving her something. That pain is making her a better person in some way. Uh, she's not just brushing it off the way Scott does. Mm-hmm. Um, She's doing what Scott should be doing, which is confronting it, dealing with it, and living through it. Yeah, she's accepting it. She's not just forgetting about it. Um, Mind you, because she's she's a fuck, she's a teenager. Like she goes to the complete opposite end of that, which is getting completely obsessed over it. But like 
that makes sense and you know what she's in a year she's not and like of course you're going to go through phases like that of course you're going to have phases of heartbreak where you are like completely infatuated with the person that's broken your heart and you're still longing for them and still pining for them um and of course when it's your first one especially as a teenager that's going to be a huge thing that's going to be a huge shock to your system you're going to do crazy things you're going to say crazy things but she she doesn't try to avoid the heartbreak the Mm -hmm. same way that not just scott but a lot of the characters um tend to do that we see from a lot of them is that they're avoiding their mistakes um and of course just because again i (laughs) scott is kind of being shitty about the whole thing not like awful but he knives is saying all the stuff about like i'm glad this happened i'm glad that like i'm going through this right now because it means that i'm learning in in her own words um and all scott can think about is like how pissed he is at envy because that's his whole thing during this volume is that he's just so angry at envy so he's like oh like i'm really sorry envy treated you that way um like when they were in that back room and she got her 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 robo bionic uh person to punch her (laughs) Mm. to punch the highlights out of her hair um all scott can focus on is that it's like i'm just so mad at her i can't believe she did that and knives is like yeah it's okay like it sucks but it happened and and scott's just like oh like i can't believe she did that to you that's so i don't care i'm not i'm not happy about it but i think that's like that's the i think to me that's the turning point moment for knives where she really starts to grow mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. and we see her slowly even though it's not she doesn't really like let go of scott but we see her start to focus on it less she mm-hmm. gets like she's dating Yanil in this book but that doesn't happen past this book um and then she like you know she gets a job and the job isn't related to scott or to ramona or to anything like she just has a job to get a job because she wants a job for whatever reason we don't actually know probably um, to save up for college probably <laughs> or just the reasons what people get job you know having cash for things yeah having disposable income either it doesn't really matter what the reason is but we know it's not it's not because of scott she's not making this decision based around scott or based around the things that she's feeling right now yeah she's, she's just got a job she's, because she's fi- reasons she's finally doing things for herself which she hasn't been doing a lot of right throughout the rest of the book right um and i think it's just it's it's nice to see i'm i'm honestly only now after we were just talking about the fact that like she gets a lot of focus that there absolutely is a parallel between her and scott throughout the entire series Mm -hmm. that i completely missed completely flew over my head Mm. yeah but we get the we have a parallel arc where we see around the same time that scott experienced a lot of his stuff a lot of his baggage that is still coming up in these books um what that could have been like had he processed that stuff because of course we get to to volume six and by the end of it she's like she's completely over scott like she's like you know like i i wasted my time like i I, well well, i spent a year of my life on you yeah yeah she doesn't say she wasted she says i spent a year of my life on you which i think is also like that wording is very important she doesn't see it as wasted time she doesn't she's not like oh like i i spent all this time chasing this boy and it didn't go anywhere and i was stupid she's like no i i spent that time and i've learned from it and now i'm better for it and now i need something different because that whole 
we'll get to that conversation later but she's having this whole conversation with him about like i've got these fears for the future and i've got these fears about like going somewhere else but i think i need that right now i need this change in my life Hmm. the again we have another character whose arc ends with looking forward to change and a willingness to change Mm -hmm. and she's making decisions for herself which is really nice yes should we talk about another character who's making decisions uh for themselves Mm -hmm. uh wallace makes a bunch of decisions (laughs) (laughs) i don't actually have any notes on wallace um so I'm a terrible person to segue into this. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We can talk about Wallace because um, I want to talk about Wallace. Who here wants to talk about Wallace the more? The, the most, not the more. <laughs> you know, I can I mean, start I'll... us off here. Cause like, Go for it. Garth, Wallace. yes, start us off. Do it. Woo! Wallace is the one person who consistently okay. throughout the entire thing is just always, always being Scott's voice of reason. Because Scott doesn't have one of those. So Wallace, Wallace is, like, is fucking... He does not. Wallace is Scott's dad. Yes. Wallace is Scott's real dad. <laughs> through and through. Wallace yeah. is the best. <laughs> I, I, have, I have all over the place. I, I, it, it's funny because it it, it's a slow progression if you look through my notes at volume one where I'm like, man, is, is Wallace actually the best character? Is he the smartest person in the room? Oh, Scott's, Wallace is the actual hero of this book. <laughs> he's he's the real hero of this entire series because he's always like you said he's always the voice of reason he's always I mean, the one no being, not like, always ah, well okay like like wh- when would you say he's not then when he hey is... you should go ask for casual sex well okay but that that is scott's doing scott fucks that up he doesn't say go look for casual sex he's saying like hey like yes he's saying get laid but he's like hey go out That's there and, tr- and find new pursuits he's 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 saying like you should don't dwell on this thing because dwelling on this is not healthy for you go and pursue something else what scott then what scott then does is try to sleep with two women that he's been with before fucking do something or do fucking something (laughs) (laughs) just get off your ass boy yeah it's i will say in scott's defense wallace does say do it using casual sex a lot uh, if you go back and read that entire dialogue, he does mention casual sex a lot. Yeah. Yes, he, he is but he does not very, say. Um, but he doesn't say go man. attempt to have casual sex with your exes. Yes. No, he does not say that. No. Which... He says also, go meet new people. That's what he's really saying. He's like, yeah. go meet new people. Put yourself um, out there. Yeah. It's it's then Scott and like ah. Uh, we'll get to it but it pisses me off of the way that scott interprets that because then he also blames stuff we'll get to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah the closer we get to characters tied to scott the harder it is to not talk about scott no he he really he really is like he's he's he is wallace's best boy Hmm. wallace is easily best boy of of the series he's so good he's so funny He's hilarious in every scene he's in. Oh yeah, I mean, I would say and funny Wallace enough, he has. Oh no, funny enough, okay. he is kind of one of the characters that changes the least because he stays pretty constant throughout the time. This thing, like his situation changes and what he's doing, yeah. his life changes, but he as himself and how he acts and how he approaches the situations really doesn't. 
No, but he's he's like a like all these other characters like have an arc of change. He's already like by the time we get into the story, he's had that arc. He's completed it. <laughs> he's already like okay, like you know, I've accept- he's accepted himself as a person, which is something that a lot of these other characters have not really done. They have not accepted who they are or their issues or their insecurities or reconciled with them in any way. Like, Wallace knows who he is and he's happy with who he is and he's happy with the way that he lives his life. He doesn't seem to have any regrets. He doesn't seem to love his job. But, like, he, he he's out there. He's doing stuff and he's enjoying himself. And he's always wanting to have fun. And he knows how he likes to have fun. He's good with it and he's okay with it. And he's there to constantly push other people, like... He's there to push other people forward, but he also is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to damage myself for you. Because he has that whole conversation with Scott about like the lease and everything uh, in volume four. He's like, hey, I'm going to go move in with, with so-and-so. You got to figure that thing out. Of course, for a while, he's straining Scott along and just kind of hoping he'll figure it out. Yeah, it's like, it's a good thing you're moving in with Ramona now because I already signed a lease with mobile. I was like, ah, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well uh the way that actually played out was uh it wasn't like he signed a lease like pretty quickly it was a week uh before that conversation hmm. he said like oh it's a good thing you were moving in with ramona because i signed a lease with mobile a week ago and uh if you were if you that yeah. didn't work out yeah. uh this would have been tough yeah. <laughs> this would have been awkward mm-hmm uh, but to put Wallace into terms of this very video game reference heavy uh, story, Wallace is the support character in any given situation. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's the support class. Um, because there's multiple moments where in any like situation that was kind of tense, Wallace was there and just making comments like uh the battle between ramona and envy when uh if like their entire like tenseness came to a head where ramona was being completely badgered down by different comments of like yo woo go envy and then wallace comes in it's like kick her in her horsey face (laughs) it's just all all being surrounded by yes envy being surrounded by yes men and wallace saying fuck her up yeah Uh, (laughs) and uh as well during this entire evil x thing anytime that scott needed like help with anything it wasn't another character coming in saying oh yeah like here I got some tips for this one. It's Wallace is okay. Yeah. Okay. This entire situation is happening. Cool. Uh, here we're at the second evil X and I have an entire dossier on them. Uh, Here's everything that I was able to pull together about Gideon. Yeah. That's like, Hey Scott, I haven't seen you in like, haven't seen you in ages, but here have a dossier on Gideon. I put together. (laughs) Just because I had it lying around. Can we can we talk about envy? We can absolutely talk yeah. about envy. I want to talk. <laughs> Did Garth just shook his head? No. <laughs> I, shake, I said yeah. <laughs> Non-committal shrug and movement. <laughs> but yes, no, we absolutely should talk about envy because uh, I, especially on this on this like, cut, like like we said at the top of this, we've been trying to do this episode for months now. 
Um, so I've had a couple times to re re reread <laughs> this entire series. Um, and especially on this like final pass that I did before we got into this, Envy is a it reads to me as a very misunderstood character. Um, like well, by the end of it, yeah. I I honestly through through the entire thing, yeah. Um, because we uh, like and uh, Envy right off the hop, point blank. Huge bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, 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 she threw and threw right out the gate to be just like, look at this huge bitch. Look how much of a bitch she's being. She's being awful to everyone. Yeah. Like, she does not treat anybody nicely. She says, like, basically zero kind words. I don't know that she says any kind words until almost the end of this series. Um, I mean, give her takes the, the flashbacks. She says some nice things at the end of Volume 3. Even That's like true. halfway through, was it was it volume two or three where uh, Scott and Envy had the conversation outside in the alley? I can't That's remember. That was in volume that was three. three. Okay, three. yeah. Even then, there was like a couple of nice things. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a, a huge bitch every single time. But I guess I'm blowing it. Everything, out of everything was covered in that Envy is just a bitch, <laughs> but it's more. It reads a lot more circumstantial when you're putting the book through the lens of uh, how people change. Yeah. And how people do uh, can come to change. How that can come in different forms. Yeah, because the, the way that she's introduced, the way that we get to know her is that up until she appears, is that she is this really mean person that broke Scott's heart. Um, and Wallace hates her and as we were just establishing wallace is the voice of reason in this book in this whole entire series um and he's one of the most like straightforward kind of gets what the situation is characters and he hates her unbelievably so we're like you come into her with that preconceived knowledge that like oh this person is not good um and she hurts scott and you know maybe earlier on in the books you kind of are still on scott's side um And you're like, wow, of course, she hurt She hurt the protagonist, and she is mean, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but really, what the, the story is, is that, like, the story of their relationship is that Envy changed, Envy was ready to change, and Scott wasn't. Scott wasn't ready to change. He wanted things to stay the same. And, like, not that they would have stayed together. I don't think they would have. But... It re- I, I think it really comes down to Envy was moving on with her life. She was realizing she was becoming a different person than the person that she was before. And she was ready to do that. She was ready to move on and become a new person. Um, you know, the fame and everything aside, because that clearly has its ups and downs for her, as she kind of, she, she, she alludes to uh, a handful of times. But she was ready to be a different person. And Scott wasn't. Um, but also, like, like Scott is in all of his relationships, in every single relationship that we see, he's extremely self-centered. And he doesn't really uh, listen. And it, it took me, it wasn't until, um, like, the, the second to last reading or whatever, that um, I realized that we do see Envy uh, in the very first volume, but it's not called out. And it sets the stage for it, it. It straight up says what their entire relationship was. Um, 
There's the Scott has uh, the, a dream sequence uh, where he's he's imagining him and uh, knives, Stephen Stills, and some singer uh, that are playing in a band on stage. Um, and the the lyrics that this that this because we you clearly see Scott's playing bass, Stephen is playing guitar, knives is playing sax, um, and the singer. It's not Kim. I don't know who... We don't know who it is, but it's definitely not Kim. Um, and the lyrics the lyrics that she's saying are, Keep up the pace. This was not the case. I never loved you. You were such a spaz. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that uh, in that... Like, in the moment that they broke up, Scott, uh, Envy called Scott a spaz. Um, and... That I think she even says "get over yourself." Actually, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not entirely certain on that one. But she she calls him a spaz, and she's and we know that Scott is self centered. We know that Scott is self centered in all of his relationship relationships, and we know that the like I was just saying, the catalyst for them breaking up was that envy was changing, and she was ready to change and move on with her life, and Scott wasn't. Keep up the pace. This was not the case. <laughs> I never loved you. Scott says that she Scott says that he loves her like in somewhere in one of those flashbacks in volume three during uni and she doesn't say it back. Yeah, and then he it's, like immediately retracts that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, ah, never mind, that was stupid. <laughs> Which is pretty typical reaction, I'd say. Hmm. For telling your 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 SO that you love them and for them to say nothing. <laughs> Um, but like that's I uh, I didn't realize it until like the second to last reading. That's the setup for their entire reason for breaking up, and it's not just because Envy was a Envy was was a bitch and she was cheating on him and blah blah blah. Like no, she was she was just a, she was a different person and she was moving on and Scott was not. Hmm. But also Scott was not worth hanging on to because he was so self centered and didn't listen to the things that she said. Hmm. Um. Which we're very close to diving into at this point. Yeah, and it's like, because Scott always talks about her two-timing him with Todd. It's like, is that, it did seem to be somewhat the case, but we don't know. It's like, was that, because there was the phone call. It wasn't actually Todd. It was some other guy. I think his name was Jacob. She could have just been making up the name at that point. That could have been a lie. (laughs) Oh, no, like, it was, uh... I think on the call i just want to yeah no no it was jacob it was jacob she did say it was jacob she did say that but that could have been a lie she came up with it pretty quickly i think i think it was truth just everything else about it was not great yeah he just uh it's the guy who's calling uh and it's like envy are you there come on pick up well it was just uh i was just thinking about you and i thought i'd try calling but uh, I guess I'll try again later. And uh, she says it's this guy named Jacob. Because, as well, if you remember, she doesn't actually have any contact with Todd because at the time he's in Vegan Academy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Vegan Academy. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and that, that honestly, that, that phone call does not sound like Todd. No. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something yeah. you would do. It sounds like some <laughs> not, guy who not quite is absolutely just hooking up with this girl. Who's just trying to get a booty call. No relation. Doesn't want anything. Just finds this redhead to be hot. Which, 
I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would like to dive into a little bit of how envy isn't is more misunderstood, and yeah. how uh, envy doesn't is is not inherently horrible. It's just her situation. She's extremely famous, and she got famous really quickly and was more prepared to be managing a band rather than being the lead singer of it, given any conversation that we see about Kid Chameleon. Yeah, and she, how... she was taking over control of that quite a lot. Yeah, which makes it uh, seem more that she's in the managerial position rather than the lead singer who's the face of everything. So once that came, it was things like oh sweetie i'm famous don't you know and uh i like look at this outfit he went a little bit overboard and things like that uh there yeah, was I mean, hints it's... of it and where she wanted to be called envy and was preparing for that but at no point did it seem that what? she was fully prepared that's that's the, that's like i'm sorry i really want to hop onto that yeah, real yeah. quick specifically because that's one of those other things where it's like Scott just like they weren't good for they weren't good together. And Scott was just as like bad to her, like as a partner as she was to him. Like because she says a lot very early on that we see, at least in the flashbacks and everything, where she's like, hey, can you call me Envy? I don't want you to call me Nat anymore. Call me Envy. And that does not change. He's He keeps calling her Nat. He keeps calling her Natalie. Um, he doesn't he doesn't roll with the fact that she even wants to be called something different. He's, he's like, nope, this is the way, like, you know, he's, I'm, I, I don't think he's doing it consciously. I don't think he's going out I with mean, malice. But save like, for, like, the placative changes he does at the New Year's party, which is, yeah. like, after the last straw for, for <laughs> Envy. At which point yeah. she's just like, no, go the fuck away. <laughs> And she, he keeps, he, he keeps, like, the, the couple times we see them have a conversation, he's like, man, like, I miss when you were Nat. Like, I know Nat. And it's like, Nat's wow, gone. that's kind of shitty. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, things moved on, bro. <laughs> I'm not Nat anymore. <laughs> there is no Nat. I ate her. <laughs> it's hard to see that. And, like, I feel, I feel bad myself because forever I just always hated Envy. And then, like, going through this now and just realizing, like, my God, like, she, she was, she was uh, as hurt in that relationship as Scott was by the end of it. Mm -hmm. She was just more ready to move on. That's the benefit of reading through something like this multiple times and at multiple stages of your life. You start to <laughs> relate more with characters at different ages of experience. Be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was a bit of an idiot last time I read this. Whoops. Yeah. You know what? Let, let's I, I let's talk about that a little bit now. Uh, we'll step away from the character discussion for for a hot minute, because um, I I really want to talk about like my experience going from reading this book first when I was like you know thirteen or fourteen or something to reading it uh, now as an adult. I mean, if I could jump in here for a bit, like my first experience with is like I saw the movie first. Before yeah, I even knew yeah. about the graphic novels. I saw the movie several times in theaters and was like, wow, this is great. And all this stuff happening here. Then slowly acquired the graphic novels, read those through. And the first time reading it through, I was very much reading it from 
the perspective of the movie. So mm-hmm. I was taking in the biases yeah, and same. the development of the movie. It's like, oh my god, it's got Ramon her perfect for each other. Wow, Natalie's such a bitch. And all that yeah. great stuff. Where it's just... And then reading it again throughout the years and just letting long time sit between it so I've the feeling the feelings attached to that first reading faded away a bit now I could have a bit more of a fresh look at it the second time and then this most recent reading just actually taking it slow reading through seeing all the various small references on the pages I've missed yeah and and actually just looking at the character progression through it I just picked up so much more this time through what was the uh what was like the uh, I I might already know it because my answer it might also be the same answer as me. But what what was like the biggest thing for you that was different from reading it then to now? The biggest, aside from references. <laughs> I mean, just how exactly how big of a dick Scott is. <laughs> <laughs> just highlighted in bold this time. There was like, wow, God, man, you're just such a tool. <laughs> it's like picking picking up on other characters stories and their through lines more yes but also just like man yeah it's like like i said earlier if i had never read this as a as like a a young adult and reading it now like i don't know that i would have finished it because i it's really hard to get on scott train (laughs) Mm mm-hmm it's like you have that bit in your mind now being like, well, I know he gets better. Yeah. <laughs> but just, oh, God. Yeah. Also, yeah, just it's really rough getting to that point. Also, just the older I get, the the more uncomfortable I am with the Scott and Knives relationship. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> God. It's like in high school, it's like I knew people who are like 16, 17 who are dating like usually very briefly like mid 20 year olds and on that sense mm-hmm. like that's kind of weird but okay the older i yeah. get it's like ew yeah Gross. <laughs> one of you knows what they're doing and it's not the 17 year old mm. <laughs> what 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 about what about the rest of you guys jacob prongla yes what was what was like- your like actually i, I want to hear like jacob what was your experience with it was it the same thing like you watched the movie first and then read the books yeah, yeah, because I, I watched the movies years ago, and I uh, I read the books when I lived with you out in Ontario. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't I realize that was when that happened. Yeah, that was when that happened. It was after we moved out, though, when I was going to the, not the St. Peter's Library, but the one that was nearby it. Mm. Okay. Okay, so you, um, you, you, had, you had them kind of at like a... A very pivotal moment oh, yeah. in your life, actually. <laughs> Thinking back mm-hmm. on that time. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I don't think I remember really much about it from way back when, or what I really thought about it. I was just like, oh, hell yeah, this was a really cool book. <laughs> that, that was about it. All it was, of it the was nerd comic. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I didn't really notice a lot of nerd jokes. I still don't. Mm-hmm. I, um, I just enjoyed it for being a book it had character interactions that i really enjoyed um yeah okay but other than that i didn't really go through this one as a uh as a uh with a different mindset it was just kind of rereading it again and mm-hmm. uh 
Yeah. So, so what was your experience this time then? Um, kind of being able to see everybody's self improvement by the last read. Um, seeing everybody, uh, e- even though it takes years, and some people do it faster, and some people do it quicker, mm-hmm. and um, some people do it without you really knowing. Um, <laughs> people improve, and people do what they need to do to become better, whether they really know it or not. Some people. <laughs> not, some people. Not everyone. But... <laughs> no, and but everybody's at different. People. Everybody's at different stages, like you said. A lot of the people who don't change in this book end up dead anyway, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, we'll actually, let's, we'll get Pringles' piece, and then we'll yeah. talk about the X's. I would well, love to I guess I'll talk about the X's. I guess I'll talk about my piece before we do that, too. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go in, because I'm, I know Tristy has a lot. <laughs> uh, so, my experience with this was, I first read it, when I was with my ex, who I would say a lot of my um, experience with this book would be tied into uh, the relationship I was in at the time, because I don't think I ever read this book when I was not in a relationship. Hmm. So in that one, in the first one, I was always thought, yeah, this is like a really good book. I really enjoyed my read of this. There's a lot here. Second time around, uh, it really hit hard. It was like, I really felt this. And a lot of it has to do with in my new relationship. I'm actually with someone who did go through a lot of trauma. And did go through a lot of different exes and absolutely could be considered like a bunch of evil exes, basically. Hopefully they're not all going to come and attack you in the league, though. Well, (laughs) I know I could take all of them from descriptions of them, so. Well, that's nice. Oh, they're (laughs) me-sized. Nah, they're just wimpy pieces of shit. But. uh... (laughs) Me-sized. Yeah, so. Uh, when reading through that and getting the experience of it, uh, I really understood a bit more of, uh, I guess, Ramona's journey. And I did not get that the first time, which like seeing that and seeing all the different things completely aside from Scott, it it really changed my viewpoint on how to even just treat general people. And be more aware of what the words that I say affect people and what the words of other people that I notice say and how I can then affect that. How I can use my voice rather than to belittle them to say, hey, you know, that's not a great way of going about that. And in turn, doing that kind of mindset even then changed me and it's like, okay, well, like, if I'm going to get to that point, I should empower myself more. So... Yeah, this this book really messed me up for a while, but in a good way, I'd say. Hmm. That was that was kind of my experience with it. I was wondering when this playlist was going to hit Plastic Club. <laughs> <laughs> we're listening to we're listening to some Japanese uh, pop in the background right now. <laughs> the moment you get even something even vaguely future funk, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> um. Anyways. Yeah. No, that's that's really 
can, can can you expand more on the on the Ramona stuff actually? Oh, I, I um, absolutely plan to when we talk about Ramona. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that then. Um. I guess that leaves me. Now I have I to talk about you. my thing, which is kind of a lot, honestly. You're gonna strap strap in, folks. Uh, you're gonna hear me ramble again, as as I feel like I'm Hell starting yeah, to get known to do. Rambling. I'm I'm known to do on this thing. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Christy's gonna so, ramble. So I I first like I said I first read this book when I was in high school when I was like thirteen fourteen, um and like Darth said I like I saw the movie first and I went in with those biases of like oh like Scott's the hero Scott's the protagonist the love between him and Ramona is so sweet and blah blah blah, um and <laughs> it's funny, especially in like. In retrospect, it is hilarious, but it is also kind of horrifying because I used to like, I I had these I had these books and I loved them so much and I would like I would start dating people and then I'd be like, hey, you should read this. Um, and <laughs> in retrospect, this is horrifying, but it's absolutely true. Uh, both like myself and my partners would come back to me and be like, hey, you have a lot of similarities with Scott. <laughs> Yeah, you I, two share you two share a lot in common with the way you act. I I did also have a relationship oh. where we drew some parallels between the books and ourselves, and uh, well, I'm not in that relationship, yet, that relationship <laughs> anymore. Uh, there were some problems. Mm, I can only imagine a lot of a lot of them were me. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel that that was. That was a lot of it. Like, I definitely used to be that person um, that, like, especially when it was relationship problems, like, I was constantly, I was I was the way that Scott is. I was, like, I would, like, bounce from, like, girl to girl to girl to girl. Um, and I would, like, I wouldn't deal with whatever happened. I would just try to ignore it, try to forget about it, not think about it. Um, as opposed to acknowledging things. And, and like, again, <laughs> like Scott... I would often, like, when a relationship would end, I, I would look at, like, the things that that person did that hurt me and the way they made me feel, and that was it. I wouldn't think at all about the way that I made them feel or the mistakes that I made or the ways that I could have improved. Um, and that, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of person that I was. Uh, I empathized with Scott a lot. Not that he's not a character worth empathizing with, but, like, I shouldn't have empathized with him as much as I probably did back then and identified with him <laughs> as much as we i have did. all had moments of time in our lives of idolizing the wrong people yeah yes yeah. <laughs> but but i digress <laughs> um <laughs> i of course like when, when i was out in vancouver there with you guys that was uh when i was like hey i want to read these books again and that's when i grabbed like all the hard covers with the, the full color pages and everything i'll reread these books it'll be fun these books i always love these books i haven't read them in like you know seven years or whatever um and then going through them now and like it's crazy how like i i, I oblivious i was <laughs> not realizing the nega scott arc um and not realizing not taking in what that was because i remember like it's like you know the movie plays it off as a joke and if you don't know what the arc is if you don't know what the the like thing that it's trying to say is 
Negascott seems confusing as hell in the books, too. Because he shows up twice, or I guess like three times. I think there's one team, one time he sees him in like a mirror or something. Yeah. Um, it's like at the end of Volume 5. Yeah, something like that. Um, very briefly. And, it, you know, you... it the, you as a teenager or the way i pick the nega picture of the nega character it's like oh it's this it's this evil version of him that he's got to duke it out with and and fight it off and that makes the final battle seem really confusing because they fight like a little bit and then he becomes part of him and it's like oh wait that's him accepting himself yeah <laughs> that's him accepting all of the horrible things he's done that's him accepting the way that he treated these people and these girls that's the way accepting that he was a bad person and acknowledging that um and it wasn't until that second reading like when i was 22 or 20 yeah 22 um realizing all that stuff and being like oh my god there's so much more to this book than i ever realized oh, yeah. um we're gonna be talking and, you about, know now we're here we're gonna be talking about the mega <laughs> scott here. we might as well talk about scott as well then we're well we're not we're not, we're not there just yet I mean, you kind of you kind of hit one of the big things right there. We we still we still got some other things to get out of the way first. I know, I know, I know. I want to get to it too. Don't trust me. <laughs> still got probably another what hour of this podcast? Who I don't knows? know. I do want to try. I do want to try and get going, but you know, strap in. You see the timeline. We don't. <laughs> you know how much is left of this thing. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to the X's though. Yes. Let's move okay. on to the X's, and then we'll tackle Ramona, and then the big one. Okay, I want to start this because I, I pointed and I was really excited that I, I saw this. Um, the X's are not only the villains of the story and of Ramona's love life and whatnot, but they're also the villains of the main point of the book, which yes. is change and how people <laughs> change and how you grow from changing. Uh, the exes, none of them change at all. They, from when they were dating Ramona to the point that we see them then, they are the exact same character. They, a little bit with ex number four, who has name I cannot remember. Roxy. Uh, Roxy, yes. With Roxy, it's a little bit more complicated for its own reasons, but the point still stands with the evil exes that they don't change which is really funny because also they drop change i just (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) the only way to get change out of them is to kill them (laughs) oh the only way to make literally oh that is that is awful I love I love every bit about it, but that is so even even <laughs> then Roxy being the complicated one who kind of changes, she's just animals then. <laughs> yeah, she she drops, drop she any drops fluffy <laughs> Oh fuck. Okay, that's really funny. Um <laughs> But as well with the evil exes, and what I noticed is that when you look at how they don't change from when Ramota even tells their story. Uh, the best point and the best way to point it out is that with Lucas Lee, uh, she says that all they really did was sit around on curbs and smoke. And so after Scott and Lucas Lee fight and Lucas Lee's like, hey, let's uh, let's take a little bit of a break. He goes and finds what can be considered a curb and starts smoking on it. 
and sitting there <laughs> and talking with Scott and doing exactly the same thing that he did with Ramona until he is then tricked into turning into change. I mean, yeah, and she just she remembers him as a snot-nosed brat with skateboarding and there was a lot of drama. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's still a lot of drama and he's, he's a skateboarding punk. Yeah. <laughs> he's just turned that into a career. He's a dramatic mm-hmm. action star who still sits around on curbs and smokes. He's still a cocky pretty boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Todd was the cocky pretty boy who walked by. Oh, yes. No, he was. he's the cocky vegan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Todd, like... Like, what you were saying with, like, um, uh, Lucas Lee's, like, going back to sitting and smoking, like, we literally see Todd go through the exact same cycle that he did with Ramona with Envy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you're the one for me, punches hole in moon. Yeah. (laughs) He literally does the exact same thing. Um, And when we, you know, when we meet uh, Roxy... Uh, she's spouting off all of this stuff about uh, when we when actually I want to talk about Roxy a little bit more in detail if we end up uh, being able to. But when Ro- we join their first conversation, we see Ramona and Roxy sitting at the at the table, and Scott uh, comes in because he's working there because he got us he got himself a job. Yeah. Um, they're having a conversation. It's very clear they're having a conversation about uh, Scott and Lisa, um, and. Ramona says you were always you were always this way you were always going off about like conspiracy theories um I want to say I have it I have it I have it pinned <laughs> wait did she say she's always going off about conspiracy theories and then immediately does the same thing yep um okay, so wanna... yeah so she so so uh Roxy says uh you uh are you blind? Uh, you'd you'd almost forget I'm talking to Ramona Flowers, expert on cheating. Um, so they're talking about Scott and Lisa, um, and Ramona says, uh, "Roxy, are you are, Roxy?" And you show up spouting conspiracy theories as usual. Like this was apparently this was the thing she did when they were together. Oh wow! She's still doing the same that. thing. She's going through the same cycle. Um. Which, considering she calls Ramona the expert on cheating, I'm even now thinking, like, maybe she wasn't even cheating. <laughs> maybe Ramona wasn't even cheating, and she was just convinced that she was. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, who, like, who knows? as well, with all the original exes, you can say, oh, Ramona's cheating. Matthew Patel was, what, in, like, elementary? Yeah, it was, like, fifth grade mm. or something that she said. Yeah, he was, like, really young, so they can or consider it, it cheating, well, but... Really, it's Ninth just grade, Ramona uh, is distracted. Doing her thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like Ramona moved on really quickly because she's really young. This yeah. is not a relationship. <laughs> um, also with Matthew Patel, uh, his, his doing the exact same thing. He's always hiding in the shadows and using his <laughs> mystical powers. Then what does he do? Hides in the shadows, jumps out, uses his mystical powers to fight Scott. Seventh grade. It was the seventh grade. Oh, seventh grade. Okay. <laughs> but still. Uh, with five and six, it's just there really isn't anything to say that they're doing the exact same thing because they barely show up. 
Yeah. yeah. They're barely relevant. They don't even get a backstory. They just kind of no. are there. I mean, they get some, they get sounds like Ramona two-timed both of them with each other. <laughs> and I so, think that's hilarious. And honestly. so now they are bonded together in brotherly fury. Beautiful. I, I like to think that she didn't know. <laughs> yeah! She just thought she was dating one dude and it turned out to be two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can see that with twins. It's like generally, generally, it, I mean, maybe it was she found out it was twins, went oh shit, and ran away before yeah. she hit the fan. Who knows? Yeah, she just, she just, she just evaporated like she does with Gideon and Scott. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, at least I they got the, more time than they did sorry, in the movie. I love Ramona literally just does the peace out me. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, great. <laughs> I mean that that is that is how she do. <laughs> okay, do we do we Yeah, yeah like, like we we kind of we've kind of we we talked about how the fact they're like they are the exes are the villains, but they're the villains to like you said the core of the story which is change. Mm-hmm. They are completely antithetical to change. They remain exactly the same and are so obsessed with the past that they do not want anything to change. Yes. They literally want control over Ramona's love life so nothing can change. No and one the, more so. Well, the person who has the most control over it is Gideon, who seems has always been extremely controlling to the point where he hoards his ex-girlfriends. <laughs> yes. You're not allowed to break up with me. <laughs> Into cryo you go, you know, like a normal person do. You guys don't have like five of your ex-girlfriends? Just chilling? No, what do you well like kinda like what do you think those boxes I'm, back I'm there are? I'm I'm saying this as a friend, Jacob, <laughs> but I'm calling the police. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. They've already called on me before. I'll be fine. They never find them. They never find them. <laughs> Jake has oh, moved around a lot. You know, he's got a had a lot of backyards. So <laughs> Also, side note that I wanna point out for everyone outside there, uh Gideon is thirty one years old when we actually meet him fully in the book rather than like a picture or just kind of around. Yeah, uh Ramona at that point is twenty five. So if you do the math, Gideon is seven years <laughs> older than Ramona. If you do the math. Well, she's twenty five in the during the book and it was wasn't it like a year or two before when she left gideon uh yeah but even well, that, the, the age difference would still be the same yeah <laughs> yeah because <laughs> uh, actually six... you never know gideon might just like cryo freeze himself sometimes <laughs> just to keep going so you're he's saying he's even like older in his 40s. <laughs> yeah <laughs> either way how can you have a successful chain of clubs at 31 mm. Like a lot of them, you can really have a expensive. Successful chain of anything if you've got the right people working for you. Mm-hmm. If you have cryo tubes that you can freeze people, and I'm sure you can, <laughs> yeah. you can figure out some other shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gideon is definitely. I don't know. You. It sounded like you had something to say about Gideon. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. I guess as well with uh Gideon. His whole controlling thing as well started the glow, which is also ties into just kind of everything going on uh, and how the glow traps you inside your own head so that you can't change. 
which I, I found like really interesting of how Gideon made it so that no one could change, making it so that Ramona can't change, that Scott couldn't change as well. From the start of the book, he said that Gideon found the way to travel through the glow so that he was forcing Scott to not be able to change. Hmm. I mean, but I think we can safely assume that Negus Scott was around before. Oh, that. absolutely. Like Scott had his yeah. own issues before that. Which also was pointed out in a fun little line of how Scott doesn't need more brain damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, more? <laughs> uh, I, th- I think he needs a little more. Like, one more kick to the head or something. Percussive maintenance. <laughs> Vamp's gotta learn somehow. I I wanna... I actually have something to say about the glow. Yeah, what up? Um, I, well, I guess, you, honestly, I guess you kind of already said it. Um, in a way. So, like, because it seems very much like the glow is, like, at first it seems like it's just Ramona's thing, um, and then you see it start to pop up with other characters. Um, At first, I thought it was, like, a trauma response, because it was happening, because we see it happen with Ramona when Gideon is brought up. Um, So I thought it was, like, a, initially I thought it was, like, a response to, like, oh, God, I'm dealing with stress right now. There's this thing that is, like, making me very uncomfortable, because that is what happens like she it, this it's 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 a trigger like mm-hmm. it's she's it's brought up the glow happens and then like her mood changes it's completely different um so i think that's also like a, a good representation of that um cause, and we we to give scott like a little bit of credit there's a there's a there's actually i think a really sweet moment where um i i don't remember exactly what it is that happens but something happens something's brought up and then ramona's head starts glowing and uh scott like notices and instead of like pointing it out, he's like, "Hey, like, he start he he shifts the conversation into something different, and he takes her mind off of it, and then he brings her back down, um, and gets her like relaxed again." Um, which I thought was like a really I I thought that was kind of sweet that he's like he noticed something was wrong, and instead of being like, "Hey, look, something's wrong," he actually just brought her back down and got her to be reasonable and got her through it. She got her he he got her through that episode that she was having hmm. um it's not a trend we anyways, see continue the, necessarily but you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> the the thing is that he never brings it up later to talk about like hey what was that why why was that bothersome or whatever there's no conversation about it they have a communication problem oh yeah um we're about to get into that <laughs> but just before that the glow uh, it seems to be this response anytime something is brought up that somebody does not want to face. Um, like you said, it's like Gideon's, Gideon is suppressing um, them thinking about those things and dealing with those things in whatever way he's doing that. Because um, we see it brought up again when Scott, uh, in the last volume, is like right about to confront a lot of the awful stuff he's done. Yeah. And a lot of the way that he's treated people is his head starts to glow right as that happens. And it's like, oh... Anytime there's like feelings that somebody's uncomfortable with that somebody doesn't want to acknowledge in their past, that's when we see the glow. Uh, I don't really know, think I had any more to say to it on that. That's just that I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. the glow isn't kind of... like a kind of a thing on its own. It's it. That's really all there is to say. It's just yeah. it affects a lot of characters, which is what we came here to talk about. Yeah, mm. just my my interpretation of the glow. It went from a trauma response to like a. A self, a self, isolating agent. Almost, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the right term is to 
the right words are for that. I mean, that's that's the fun. That's the funny thing about it. Is like the glow is a trauma response in the repressing kind of way. Just shut right. it off, block it out, go away. Whereas in a funny kind of way, the negascot is the the antithesis to that because the negascot is your problems coming and confronting you. It's like no, you <laughs> yeah. don't get to push this aside. I'm going to beat it into you. <laughs> Okay, we have we have one more stop along the way though before we before we finally dig into the real meat. <laughs> we provided we haven't uh, alluded to all of it by the time Ooh. we get there. Ramona. <laughs> We're still Master there's a lot the that glow. I gotta stay still, don't you worry. <laughs> Let's talk about Ramona. I'll Let's let you it. kick this off, Pringle. Okay. Um all right, I'll, I'll allow my... it. <laughs> allow it. Oh. Oh, um, so I want to say first off that Ramona is a clear example of someone who has had a lot of trauma. Uh, originally, when I first read the book for the first, like I've read this entire series four times. The first three times, I always thought that Ramona was just kind of a bitch and then she did some self-reflecting, and then she wasn't that anymore. Being where I am now, and being with Kiana, who I find shares a lot of similarities in how Ramona talks, and then seeing Kiana change, and then reading this entire book again was like, oh shit, I was completely wrong. In fact... What's really going on with Ramona and the way that she talks and the way that she tells talks to different people and the way that like she flip flops on how she even talks to Scott in how sometimes she'll just tell him to shut up and other times she'll be completely infatuated with him. It's entirely based on not what's going on around her, but whether what's going on inside of her. Her mood will shift depending on what's going on with her. And so knowing that, noticing that, I straight thought that Ramona was one of the best written characters of the entire book. That was like insanely accurate to my experience seeing that. And so, uh, yeah, just fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that being said with, uh, Ramona, there's a lot of different things. She's very mysterious. She's very aloof. Uh, as well, she will flip-flop on things that she's saying. Like, uh, when talking about her age and different things about her, she said, well, you could have just asked at the end, I think it was volume four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, so like, you could have just asked my age. But if you r- read that knowing that's coming, Scott does ask questions and Ramona just refuses to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as well... Over the course of that book, though, I can't entirely chalk up Ramona being like, oh, yeah, you're just like, you want your cake and you want to eat it, too, kind of thing. It's like, you, you want Scott to ask and just so you can shut him down. Rather, fuck, I wouldn't uh, tell Scott anything at that point in his <laughs> journey because Scott still continues to say things like, oh, I don't drink or will refuse to fight a girl. And at the end of it, Scott just bucks up and is like, okay, let's do this. So 
that, of course, absolutely, Ramona would view Scott and trust him a little bit more and see, yes, this guy I do want to open up to. And, uh, like, as someone with trauma would respond, like, see that trusting someone to and opening up and telling them simple little things is extremely difficult, especially if you're with someone like Gideon who actively wants to control every aspect of your life because Gideon has this image of what a girlfriend should be and will not stray from that and will do any length of thing to make that happen. I mean, yeah, especially forming an entire league of Lexes <laughs> to I mean, be like, well, like I still going to control you. Yeah. It's like mentioned in volume six that when Ramona was with Gideon, she was trying to open up to him, but he was very distant and aloof with her exactly yes so going into something else after that she understandably be hesitant to open up because she was met with a brick wall last time exactly yeah i think you guys put that up pretty well i don't have anything to add to that necessarily um but i do to 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 push the conversation along i do want to talk about um Actually, that gives me it's weird because I wanted to what I wanted to talk about was the fact that like Scott and Ramona clearly have some massive communication issues. Mm. Um that conversation gives me a little bit of a different light on it, but I, I I don't think that it makes the issues any less there. <laughs> it doesn't make oh, them any less not. of issues. Um because it's also it's also not one-sided. It's not like the issues are just from Ramona not opening up it's mm-hmm. also from, like, Scott's aloofness and, like, absent-mindedness. Um, like, he doesn't communicate a lot of stuff. He doesn't share a lot of stuff. And then when uh, he does share things, it seems vague and unconvincing. Yeah. Or, or like... I mean, good a point is when he's talking about Kim's, uh, Kim's his relationship with Kim. Yeah. <laughs> how it started. Yeah, he's just very very vacant throughout that thing then when he goes on the tirade about the 40 foot tall guy with the army of dudes and he punched him so hard he could kicked him so hard he could see the curvature of the earth see i i'd like that one specifically because it's it's kind of hard um to it's kind of hard to tell like is that actually what he thinks or was he just being like really snippy to get it to get her off his back in that in that particular moment well i think that's what he really thinks because you remember what it was like during their conversation together when they were talking about him what you mean this kid the wimpy chinese dude who like only <laughs> hugged me once <laughs> i think scott really did see himself as the hero yeah he he at very least if nothing else saw it as the flashback they had in volume two was it yeah well it was th- that's what i mean though is that like, his description is also different from that flashback. Mm. So it's like, I, I wonder, I wonder, it's 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 hard to tell whether he genuinely thinks that's what happened, or if that was just him reacting. I want to say it's a little bit both. He legit did, because that was a flashback, he legit did think that he fought off a whole bunch of dudes, and that's yeah. the story that he's created in his mind. But as well, there is a lot of exaggeration there that does seem that Scott just was pushed a little bit and just got really snippy. Again, a testament to the brilliance of uh, Brian Lee O'Malley's writing. 
very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it is very fun how Scott just the more you look into him comes across as a steadily more and more unreliable narrator. <laughs> well, it's, he just never knows what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um at any point. Yeah, that is that is one of the most I mean are we just going to transition into Scott at this point? It's time. It's I think, time. I think Ramona we, was really set up well. I think we're good. But yeah, because like to, uh, to lead off go, with go Scott, that's like one of the most common questions he asked throughout the entirety of the series is, where are we? What the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like so many times it'll cut to a yeah. place. It'll be like, Scott, you're like, yeah, where are we really going? We already going told you. <laughs> <laughs> and then usually Kim pipes up, it's like, we're going to a party, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really is, like, part of the reason why we decided to make Scott the last person to talk about it's not because he's also, like, it's not only because we've got the most to say about him, but Scott takes over this entire series and, like, you know, He's the titular character. He is the Scott Pilgrim. He, of course, of course, he takes up a lot of these books, but as we've kind of talked about a little bit already, it's to the point where he like pushes other characters to the side. Yeah, he he steamrolls through the plot of the book. Yeah, yeah. he is. He is in his mind the main character. Yeah, <laughs> it it really seems like he genuinely like he views his life as if he is the protagonist. Uh, and and sometimes life gives that to him. Like honestly, <laughs> like, well, I mean, it it really doesn't help when he's been literally given a quest to beat seven evil ex boyfriends. <laughs> huh? I wonder what makes me feel like a hero. I wonder why I feel like I'm the center of the fucking universe. Yeah. <laughs> he he genuinely though like 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 we were talking about like I was mentioning before about how he like he'll meet people. And if they're not people that he's meeting every single day, he just doesn't know who they are. Mm. Like, they're unimportant to his life, so he just doesn't catalog it. And not in, like, not in a way where it seems like he's incapable of doing it. Like, it doesn't seem like he has some sort of, like, hang-up or, 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 like, disability or something that's holding him back. He just, like, he just doesn't fucking care. Like, his, <laughs> his own brother, he forgets. <laughs> and then attacks him because oh dark hair glasses it must be Gideon <laughs> I love how there's a few people in the background where there's like the long set like Lawrence is meant Lawrence Scott's brother is mentioned several times in the previous books and we don't see him until volume 6 where he gets attacked by Scott <laughs> or no that was at the end of volume 5 yeah he doesn't yeah. even know what he looks but still, like. It's like there's a few people where it's like they're alluded to in the back and they don't show up until later when they get mistaken for gideon like lawrence does mobile um mm -hmm. wallace's boyfriend and just there's there was another guy in volume in volume uh six who's mentioned like oh yeah you thought he was gideon and stabbed him with a fork <laughs> <laughs> okay I want to do. I want to do. I want to do the thing now, Pringle. Do the thing. I want to do the thing, thing now. I want to. I want to. I, I want to lay on this. I want to lay out the list of fucking shit. All right. I want to lay out the list that is Scott being a piece of shit. 
This it's, worries me. It's a long list. <laughs> yep. And there's some stuff that, like, there's some stuff that he did that, like, genuinely made me feel angry. Like, genuine, like, contempt. And I had to, like, go cool off. I have, like, a bit of a list, but I'm not even going to touch it because I know that I looked at your <laughs> list and added a couple of things to mine just for completion's sake. <laughs> okay, well, like, let's let's start off. Let's start off at, like, the beginning, okay? The very first line of this fucking book. Scott Pilgrim, 24 Scott Pilgrim, is dating a high yeah. schooler. It's just the actually. first line. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. Is, 20, is it 20? Oh, right, he it's turns 20, 24. He yeah. turns 24 in uh, volume. He's something. 20. Yeah, it's like... He's twenty three at the start of it, so t- still I don't this doesn't make it any better. Twenty <laughs> three year old Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler, a seventeen year old high schooler, a seventeen year old high school girl. Um, and like you know, there's not sex happening, so like that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> But at least that at least no laws are being broken, I guess. <laughs> but like uh, the implication is absolutely there that that is a possibility at some point in this relationship. Yeah. And given how relationships work, it would have been like relatively soon if they were probably within six months. Yeah. Mm. Like that's 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 the modern time frame, really. Like, um. And if to uh, make it a little bit more shitty, uh, we learn later when Knives eventually does turn 18 uh, that she was basically 16 and they met on her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so she, just because she was 17 at the time yeah. doesn't mean that like she wasn't fresh off of being 16. <laughs> it's It's really... It's really gross. It's really gross. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. It's really fucking gross. And it's It's... like, I I don't, I kind of think this is, uh, like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say objectively it's worse, but for me personally, I think it's worse that, like, he's he's clearly not with her for sex. He's with her to, like, fill a void. He's with her yeah. because he doesn't want to be alone. Or, like, not even that he doesn't want to be alone, just because it's easy. Like, he gets to be in a relationship and not have to think about it. Because that's the kind of person that he is at that point. At the start, he's all, it's almost like he's vicariously reliving a bit of high school through her as well. By just listening to her go on about interpersonal drama. Yeah. He's just sitting there listening to the gossip and, and not taking any of it in, really. Like, he's not listening. He's he's hearing it, hmm. but he's not listening to any of it. Uh, actually, no, I know he is. I know he, he says doesn't. some comments. I know he says some comments, but it's like it's the it's like the bare minimum. Yeah, he's he's scraping surface level details, but he's not. He's not only after he notes. meets Ramona, because I do remember specifically like making a mental note of it. Uh, when we first hear uh, Knives go off about a whole bunch of like different people and what's going on in her day to day, Scott then chimes in with, oh, well, like, so is it like this person or this person? So he is actively listening. And I he don't is think. Being... No, I disagree. I wholly fucking disagree. No, he, I... he's picking up <laughs> a few details here and there, probably from repetition. 
Yeah, because he's hearing like th- that. It's his routine is he goes and he hangs out with her and he hears her talk about this drama every single day. To me, to again, for somebody who used to be a lot like Scott, I, I think that he is hearing enough to show that he's listening to like be like, hey, look, look, I hear you. I heard what you said because I, I remembered this name and this person. I have engaged with the conversation and I'm commenting appropriately on the goings on. Yes. I've said a thing. Now I'll listen to you talk for the next 40 minutes while I do whatever. Like, I don't think he's li- actively listening at all. Because, um, like, realistically, if he was actively listening, he would give a little bit of a shit about moving on with Ramona. Because he doesn't care at all. I was, he doesn't I was care. gonna be like, I was gonna say something. That's a way, that's actually a really good argument, so my point <laughs> is completely mute. <laughs> he, he doesn't give any fucks about that relationship. If he was listening, he would have at least had, like, a real thought about it. The only thing that happened, like, he doesn't think twice about cheating on her. Um, Not at all. And when they do break up, like, which also, he avoids breaking up with her like, he's not like, man, I need to break up with this girl. I'm hurting her right now. Like, I'm doing something bad to her. He doesn't break up with her because it's difficult for him. He only breaks He only breaks up with her because of one of Wallace's ultimatums. Yeah. It's like, if you don't break up with her today, I'm telling Ramona. It's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, do, he do, it's, it's, a, it's a move of self-preservation. Like, and that's it. And guess what? He breaks up with her. He go uh, this, this, this disgusted me. This absolutely disgusted me reading it. Um, he he's on this. He's on the bus after the breakup with knives. Like after they're at the the music store, uh, and she confesses his love for him and says, and then he says, "I think we should break up." And she says, "Oh, and that's it." Presumably, he just walks away after that. Um, doesn't say anything else. He gets on the bus. He has like one like. Mm, and then immediately thinks about Ramona, and then he's smiling, and then he walks off the bus whistling. Like he's happy with himself. Yeah. He's happy with the decisions he made. He doesn't give a shit about the decisions that he just made. He doesn't give a shit that, like, that this girl, this this very vulnerable girl at a very pivotal, uh, at a very pivotal age in her life where there's a lot of stuff going on under the hood, just confessed her love for him. And he said, I think we should break up and walked away knowing that he cheated on her, knowing that he just left her like that. (laughs) He goes off the bus whistling. It disgusted me. That wasn't even the thing that actually made me angry. (laughs) Yeah. That scene scene is really played for laughs, but the more you look at it, it's like, that is so shitty. It's yeah, disgusting. It's, really bad. it's deplorable. Like I, like I can see, you know, you get out of a bad relationship and you're like, I'm moving on to a happy one. Hell yeah, I'm happy about it. But like, no, like, it was a nothing relationship where you just like, you like, he did. He ruined this girl. He she spends a year of her life chasing after him and obsessing over him and going to, like it's it's played as a joke but like she's a chinese catholic schoolgirl like 
and and as oh, far as I didn't even realize she went to Catholic school. Yeah. yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like they as to quote and, Scott's and, sister. Oh my god! Like with the uniform and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just thought she went to like a really prestigious school, mm-hmm. not a Catholic school. That changes so much about Knives' <laughs> characters for me. Holy fuck. <laughs> That does make the joke, though, of uh, Knives telling Wallace, like, do you want to know who in my class is gay? Really fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) What the hell was I going to say now? I lost track. Were you going to talk about what made you really angry? No, that's we're going to get to that still. We're we're still on volume one. (laughs) He's he's talking about... Knives wasting a year of her life was on how um, Scott makes out with Ramona and almost leaves no, with her while no, dating Knives. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, that is that is a big one right there. Because I didn't want to point that um, out. That is, yeah, no, that's. Ugh. Um, wow, no, I completely lost it. I really can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, that that Fuck. that whole part of the book, you can most definitely say is that is where it's really quite apparent that this is scott's perspective we're seeing because that's yeah. like a triumphant moment where it's just no <laughs> he fucking he fucking like guess what he gets into bed with this girl that he met a day ago that he obsessed over about a party and kisses her while he's dating another chick nice one scott now turn the page <laughs> <laughs> just, you cheated on your girlfriend yeah just mm, yeah Delicious. I read that bit a little bit more sarcastically. It's like, nice one, Scott. Now turn it's the him page. fucking. It's him playing a fat riff. He's yeah. This is. This it is, is not sarcasm. This is self congratulation <laughs> through and through. Yup. <laughs> Just cut to the Obama giving Obama a medal meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to, to, to keep going with his like his pushing of the side to the characters though. He, like, actively does not know what's going on in any of his friends' lives. Like, mm. we, we, we talked about it before, about how he's, like, he's forgetting these faces and everything. But, like, he doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what his friends want. He doesn't know what they're doing. He doesn't know what they get up to. He barely knows, like, what their jobs are, it seems like. He barely knows when they're having practice. <laughs> like... He's just so disconnected from everything and everyone. That moment in one of the later books. Scott Pilgrim now realized that all second cup exteriors don't lead to the same <laughs> second cup interior. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about how Scott's also just kind of a loser. Like, outside of his, like, relationships with people and women and all that, like... He's a he's a deadbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in a band yep. that occasionally does things freeloading off his roommate and just kind of bumming around with his other friends while they live their lives. Like, uh, he goes on a date with Ramona, and then Ramona says, "So I guess I'm paying for all this, huh?" He's like, "No, nah, I, I borrowed Wallace's credit card. He's cool with it." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't. He doesn't try to find a job. <laughs> he just gets not totally it's really necessary. He doesn't even try and find a job though. No. Kim is like, 
actually Stephen Stills place is hiring, drags him over yeah. like, can he have the job? Sure. He doesn't even have to do a fucking interview. <laughs> he just walks in and it's just like, job? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I kind that of... That just sounds like kitchens. I kind of am working at a job right now where you don't really need to do an interview. You just... It's like, hey, do you want to do work with landscaping? What do you do? And then, like, okay, cool. Let's do this. He, we, need, yeah. we need hiring. Can you lift a shovel? Just, he drops off the face of the earth twice. And twice he gets that job back. Hmm. Well, the first time he was Kitchens fired, are he, really he desperate, uh, guys. Yeah, for the for the whole, like, getting the job thing, I completely understand where Brian Lee O'Malley's coming from writing that whole, like, uh, I... Like, if your life had a face, I would punch it in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the, for the, quote, the, job the quote back. is, if your life had a face, I would punch you in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, no, it, that's just kind of how kitchens work. Absolutely. I could see that if the dishwasher just left and they didn't have a new dishwasher and he showed up again, they'd be like, well, like, the dishes aren't going to wash themselves. And Don't fucking here. do that again. Firm slap on the wrist. Yeah. Like, it, absolutely. It Especially in a place where it has the prep cook and the dishwasher. And that oh, seems yeah. to be the only two employees back there. Yeah, Scott yep. got really lucky in that job. But that is just how that works. It happened when I was at Havana. Right? We had a chick. She didn't show up. No message. No nothing. <laughs> Uh, didn't show for like a week and a half, uh, came back, apologized for what she did. She was back in again. That's just a kitchen. That's just how that happens. I, I hate that you guys are just bursting my bubble on my point. Fuck you guys. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, this, this, this I have real life okay. experience. I knew this point okay. was coming and I it was It didn't like, happen twice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust, I'm gonna pop it. I hate you. It, it, it didn't happen twice. I'll give you that. He, him getting hired back twice is crazy, but it does happen in kitchens. Like people will sometimes just it's disappear. Still, it's still, it's still, it still does not help. Uh, his the the it, it doesn't help that like he clearly like again Scott seems to view himself as the protagonist of of life. Yeah, and he never he did not work did not look for a job and didn't have to struggle at all to get one just oh, walked that part, into a place and was and it was just handed to him on that a silver platter completely different point <laughs> um as well though it does sound as if uh when scott is just like absolutely just uh, pining over Ramona and the whole breakup and whatnot, it sounds as if uh, Steven is saying, hey, you know, the job is still here, so yeah. the second does. time around, it sounds yeah. as if it wasn't like handed to him a silver platter, but rather no. Steven no. is vouching for him. Which is a really good friend in Steven, even though Scott's a complete and utter tool. <laughs> oh no, oh no, it was, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it in the balls. <laughs> you were right. Um, I I I kind of well, we still have a lot of time before before I just keep because I don't want it to I don't want just negativity for the next like twenty minutes. Does anybody, let's talk about other stuff about Scott. Y'all have other notes on Scott. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 
editor Dan here. Oh my gosh, this sucks. All right, we're doing this again. So, uh, hey, it's me, the 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 editor, one of the editors. The other editor is Josh. He's he's he did a lot of work, and we are all collectively very grateful for his work. So, uh, thank you, Josh. Anyways, we took a bit of a break during this episode, and I would play some of it for you, but I don't think you want to hear a bunch of silence because we all got up and left and got snacks and other stuff. Uh, so just just trust me that it was not good, not worth listening to. But uh, we did jump back into it, and we got right back in the swing of things. So I will keep you no further. Enjoy! We back! <laughs> Oh, we're not just gonna we're not just gonna pick up like we never went anywhere. No, f- why would we fucking lie? <laughs> For the next portion of this, I've made a hot chocolate during the break, so Pringle will be doing ASMR. The second hot chocolate. That was hot. Nice. Good. <laughs> Good. You deserve that. Ah uh, yes, Pringle burns his tongue ASMR. No, that was my throat. <laughs> The way I sipped that, it went straight and hit the back of my throat and burned the fuck out of it. See, that's why. That's <laughs> why I like. That's why I like to sip things under my tongue because then it just scalds the bottom of my tongue, which is lost feeling by this point. <laughs> that's <laughs> where you're storing all of it. <laughs> it's probably not good for my saliva ducts, but you know, whatever. Um. Okay. Yeah, you did. You did make a good point during the break, though, Garth. I we've. I think we've well established that Scott is kind of an all-around loser and a deadbeat and kind of shitty to most of the people in his life. But most he's of this book. capable of change. Everybody's capable of change. Scott is everybody very capable of change. The key uh, thing, I mean, not just, everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry. we don't want to send a confusing message here. <laughs> there's, there's one last thing. There's one last thing that I want to bring up because it was like it was the thing the thing that like genuinely made me angry yeah we you never like, we, you never said that one yeah so, so like we we put this like we we've been trying to record it for a month so we put this down for a little while at some point um and i was like even wondering like man am i gonna have like the energy to come back and do this like do i really do i have that passion again and reading this note immediately was like yep no <laughs> i'm ready to do this thing again um and it's in volume five um when when scott fights uh the twins oh i know this Kadianaki twins uh, so they have kidnapped kim and have her in a cage and scott is losing the fight because he's can't focus on the fight because he's so wound up about all of this stuff about ramona and like what's going on with her and them and they're fighting and blah 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 his like uh, who who is his longest friend that uh he's had is trapped in a fucking cage was kidnapped and he can't he can barely muster up like the will to fight for himself to the point where kim has to fake a text message from ramona to to give him the encouragement pretty much out of self-preservation like not because he she wants to encourage him because she wants him to win that fight because she's like if he dies they might kill me 
Like, I don't know what's going to happen to me if if they beat Scott. So she has to make up this fake text message that gives him enough drive to actually finish the fight, which is just like, it's heartbreaking that she has to do that in order to just survive. And then when he wins the fight, he just leaves her. <laughs> He doesn't even, like, go home with her to make sure she gets home safe. He just goes because he's so worried about Ramona yes, and it's... so concerned about this relationship. She just got kidnapped. She's, tra like, she's literally getting fucking traumatized right now. And she doesn't even, he doesn't even go with her to just make sure, make sure she gets home safe. Like, regardless of whether or not she, the likelihood of her doing, obviously she got home safe, but, like, the fact that he doesn't even have the like th the thought that like hey maybe i should take her home maybe i should just for to make her feel safe maybe i should just go with her just i i cannot believe like that is uh, to me that is like the lowest point that scott has in this entire series is that moment <laughs> that it's just all around like you know like all the other relationship stuff him being aloof him not paying attention him not listening to his partners him not acknowledging the mistakes like yeah those things suck and they're not good but can you imagine can you imagine if like somebody you knew and care about had been like violated or assaulted and you were just like you just pieced. <laughs> you just walked away because you had more important shit to do. Yeah, I believe the term I'm looking for is they're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> All joking aside, I... like, seriously. Yeah. There is no faster way to just end all respect I could have had for you it's i don't yeah i don't i don't really i don't think i have to explain anything <laughs> i don't think i have to say anymore like it fuck <laughs> it was oh okay that was i needed to get that out of the way i needed to get that out of the way yeah <laughs> let's so let's, let's talk, talk about how about... scott is it a terrible person <laughs> on the back of that. That sounds good. Let's do that one. <laughs> I set us up real good for this. So uh, I actually do do have kind of a segue that kind of helps with how Scott isn't absolutely a terrible person, which also helps lead into a bunch of different things that we've said and explained about how uh, in the past characters, how Scott has had a conversation with them. Um, specifically, I want to point out the one with the knives where in volume three, where he's talking with her, he does at least what it seems to me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I already brought this up before. <laughs> oh, no, no. But makes, uh, does, uh, I want to point out, cause I did write down the exact thing that he did say. Uh, where did I write it? My notes are confusing as fuck. I got it here. What are you looking for? Um, 
It was uh, where he is talking with her and then says, "It was um, I'm sorry the way I treated you. I always apologize for the way I treated you." Which comes on the right on the heels of knives getting really deep in that, and it seems that like Scott notices a little bit through all the like aloofness that he's had. It hit him a, a little bit, and he shows a little bit of how he is still an adult. He's just really fucking bad at it. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't really change too, too much for Knives in that moment. You can see the ripple effects of how, after that point, Knives does start to doubt things a little bit more. And notice how Scott wasn't a ter- was a terrible boyfriend. And it seems that Scott does recognize that even the tiniest bit he has a moment he has a single moment which is a, a lot of brief like brief moment which is a lot of why i think people can get through this book because scott has moments of like genuine uh like he's not stupid he's not shitty he's just really fucking bad at being <laughs> at changing um there's also points where uh, he tells Ramona that people can change at the end of the book as well. Uh, and which is exactly what Ramona needed at that moment as well. There is where um, I think it was when Scott starts talking to Envy. I want to say I'm fucking losing my train of thought. I wish I wrote down all of them. Can someone else help me out of the, my pit what, what, here? What are, you, what are what are you looking for? Um, I, th- I want to say it was the second conversation that he had with her. With who? Envy. At the end of book like- three. What? Yeah, at the end of book three. I feel like there was another moment there. Oh, you mean when, like, they hug and make up and he's like, oh, you still have my sweater. You want it back? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, yeah. There's a genuine just... just, like, that felt like a lot more of a conversation uh, between two adults rather than between someone well, and Scott. yeah, they weren't busy being angry at each other. Yeah, but it showed that Scott wasn't completely petty he wasn't completely self-absorbed in how much he hated her but rather that he did recognize that she's not a horrible person she he does at least remember a little bit that of who she was before all of this and he does feel bad for what she just went through because he also went through something like that Yeah, he tries to he he tries to have a, a like a a moment with her. He tries to like reach out for like a handshake or a hug or something, and then he doesn't. He can't build up the the nerve to do it. Mm. So it just turns into it. Literally, just says awkward. It literally turned into an awkward goodbye. Yeah, just standing there quietly, neither. I also like the moment when he is talking with Envy in the alleyway, and says, "Can we just drop the nicknames?" And he says Nat, and then 
this is also a testament to Brian Lee, uh, Leo Malley's like paneling and the way that he did the writing because then it's just a giant ellipses shows up and I want to, that's the first time in any comic I ever read where I felt the panel. I felt the moment that they were going for. And it's, it seems as well. That's another moment of Scott showing that he's not an awful human being with no emotion and no, uh, like remorse. doesn't give, yeah, no remorse for anyone. He did recognize the, like how tense this moment is and, uh, what is currently going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as much as I've like kind of been like very malicious towards Scott through this whole thing and have kind of painted him out to be malicious, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's 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 I know you said he isn't, but he's fucking dumb. He's fucking stupid. Oh, he's a completely <laughs> he's extremely stupid. But I want to point out that he's not like but he's not he's not, he's not like dumb and dumber level. He's yeah. he's an exemplary figure of the phrase those who do not learn from their past are doomed to repeat it yeah he he doesn't lack empathy yeah it's not that he is trying to hurt these people and it's not that he doesn't recognize that he has the power to hurt these people or that he has been hurting these people yeah uh there's also the, the moment when he's talking with lisa and they start getting really deep into the conversation. Uh, which does lead into the whole moment of Lisa saying, like, was there something there? Like, should we have done something? Should we now? And uh, that whole thing. But mm-hmm. I found that that was another moment in the comic where Scott talked on a level that was not what he normally does. Where he recognizing what needs to be happening here what he needs to be doing which shows me at least a little bit that scott uh isn't like a no remorse person but he is someone who needs to be beaten over the head with (laughs) the moment he needs to be beaten over the head with like don't make stupid jokes don't uh be dumb. Don't be yourself. Be someone better. <laughs> yeah, it um, takes a bit to get it through his thick skull, but he does learn. Yeah. Yeah, the turning the turning point really is when he finally accepts the shit he's done. Yeah, when he goes with Negus when he merges it with Negascott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right at that moment is another one of his lowest where he's falling back into it again just trying to push away the past trying not to think about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's trying he's he's trying like many people do to just not experience the painful parts of one's past but in so doing trying to outrun it yeah hide from it but in so doing is also forgetting even the tiny snippets of good or lessons that could be learned in all of that. And when he, when he finally accepts that and takes onus for the shitty things he's done, that's when he starts going and 
making an attempt to repair the damage he's done. That was like a really eye-opening moment um, for me. Like I was talking about earlier about how like I had a very different experience reading this these books again as an adult. Um, and like that moment for me, like that really hit me. Um, but it, it was, it was interesting because like at that, I, I, you know, when I first read these books, I was, I was at the beginning of Scott's arc when I was, when I was a teenager, I was, I was that I, I tried to forget things. I tried not to acknowledge the painful parts of my past. I tried to avoid them. I tried to not think about the kinds of things that I did, that I did in relationships, places where I could have been better, and not just the fact that, like, well, this person hurt me, and I wasn't really looking at anything past that. Um, by the time that I read them again, I had gone through... I had finished the arc. <laughs> I had recognized... Um, that like pain has value that struggle has value and these experiences that you go through where there's heartbreak and where there's hardship and where uh you've done bad things or you haven't acted the best that you could that those things add to you as a person um If you can find the right like, takeaways from them, that is the key yeah. in these situations. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not good to dwell on them. You know, it's not good to like obsess over them. There's a lot of there's a lot of times in this book even where um, they still do, they they still show that like you can't just sit on on the things that it's not enough to just focus on the past. You have to think about it, mm -hmm. so that way you can move on from it. You're not supposed to live the past. There's a lot of moments uh, where even we, we've talked about Walsh being the voice of reason. There's so many times where Scott is obsessing over envy or over something that happened. And he's just like, no, like, let's move on. Let's go do something else. Let's anything. <laughs> Don't think about this, though, because at some point it's just not healthy. Yeah, you're obsessing. Um, let's move on. Yeah. Like, you, you, you can't just sit there and dwell on the past. You have to think about it, to process it, to move on from it. It's not enough to just... Because being, as we see with all the evil exes, being fixated on the past is just as unhealthy as not thinking about it at all. And Mega Scott is like the... He's the culmination of all of that. When Scott finally he he doesn't fight him he doesn't beat negascott he doesn't he doesn't defeat him <laughs> yeah there's no fight where he he crushes him and now he is a better person because he destroyed his evil self it's like no that's part of who you are he accepted it and then yeah like immediately pretty much after that moment scott no longer talks like the person who asks oh where are we going and it's to a party or uh, just like whatever i don't need to pay my fines i don't need to get out of bed he rather he gets on a bus and uh ends things with kim and at a really good place and rather than getting on the bus he's on top of it ready to face what's to come mm -hmm. this is a scott we have not seen before this is the scott who has been hinted at in all those different moments of 
seeing what Scott truly could be. This is who he is. After that point, we no longer get Scott saying, oh, like Gideon, whatever, or uh, oh, Ramona, whatever. We get a Scott who is ready, who is going to face what's coming. He's going to finish the fight. You were going to chime in there with something, Jacob? Oh, um, does Nega Scott only ever come out when Scott is making, like, an important self-discovery? Or, like... Yeah. Just, yeah? Okay. It, well, well, not, like, necessarily, like, an important self-discovery thing, but he comes out when... He comes out when he's got to think about the hardships. He's got to come out when... He comes out when he's when he's confronted with either his past or with uh, feelings that are very evocative of his past. Like, the first time that we see Nega Scott show up in Volume 4 um, is when he's it, it, he goes to talk to Ramona, and Ramona's basically like, no, I can't talk to you right now. Um, and he's got, and he's he's reliving things uh, those types of those same types of feelings that he had with envy, um, when, when she when she broke his heart, um, and that's when he that's when Nega Scott comes back out. <laughs> that's when he comes out full swing. That we see him full body for the first time, is when he's got to deal with the fact that he's had these feelings before, and he doesn't want to face them. He runs from them. He literally runs from them. <laughs> now, in that moment, he headbutts through them. Well, yeah. Well, he he charges. He runs through them. Yes, yeah, technically, but he's but he's, he he's getting away from them. Yeah, <laughs> he he closes his eyes, barrels right through them, and just keeps going. He, it's not yeah. him facing it or standing it down and anything. It's him just going. No, going. Yep. Not <laughs> you right now. I'm doing other things. Yeah. It's like it. It serves as a moment of clarity. It's like no, I'm here now. I don't want to be here now. As opposed to, mm. I'm here now, maybe I should deal with this. Yeah. Which would have yeah. been the better takeaway at literally any point. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the other time we see it is just in the end bit of volume five, where he's just at his low point, wallowing in self-pity. Mm -hmm. Was it volume five? And there's just like that, f and there's just the flash of the Negascot in the mirror, just like, hey, remember this? <laughs> you know what this is like. You've felt it before. You've been through it before. Which, you know, should make it easier. <laughs> if, you know, but... you actually <laughs> confronted it, learned from it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which ultimately he does, mm -hmm. thankfully. Take a bit of kicking and cajoling, but you know, just took him eight years. Mm -hmm. It's like it's 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 said as a joke. Well, not really as a joke. It's actually kind of a serious moment when it's said. Um, but there's in volume. I think it's in volume. It's it's in volume four. I think it doesn't really matter. Ramona says to Scott, "You're another evil ex waiting to happen." Oh, that was for volume five. That was in volume five. Yeah, that was five. Right after Ramona confronts Scott about cheating and mm -hmm. Scott owns up to it in yeah. still a very shitty way. Yeah. <laughs> but credit where credit is due. He didn't lie about it. 
He was yeah. upfront about exactly how he feels about it. Um, but I think that line is important because if you looking like you look at the series as a whole and you look at Negascott and the point where he accepts Negascott into him, if he didn't, I think like genuinely what Scott isn't fighting all of these evil exes like those are not his real adversary through this book the the thing that he is fighting is is not becoming one of her evil exes because if he had just if he had not accepted those negative traits of himself i don't know that he necessarily goes and joins the league or whatever but like he he just he does become another one of her evil exes another one of these people that she's been with that was kind of shitty to her and didn't didn't change never never changed never became a better person never moved on whatever you want to say hmm. like if we want to put it as scott rather than accepting nega scott but defeated him then the offer that gideon gave him he would have accepted and become the eighth evil x yeah <laughs> because uh before gideon kills him then gideon says oh you didn't keep her then join me. We can be powerful and rule the rest of Ramona's love life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he declines because he's accepted who he is. He's a brand new Scott. He's a better Scott. He's a Scott who, uh, rather than being beaten over the head until he says the right thing. And rather than just being in the moment, like, okay, yeah, you know what? I, I will like talk as like an adult. He just says smart things. He says exactly what needs to be said rather than kind of blurting it out. I think that kind of brings me to the final question. To the, pen, to, to the final question. The final <laughs> question. Um, Jacob, do can you, you say go, final uh, question real quick uh, in a really deep voice before we move on? <laughs> the final the question. Segue. Oh, Garth got it. <laughs> <laughs> the final question. Yeah, I think Jacob's got the lead. <laughs> Um, what, and I want, I want answers from all y'all, uh, do you think by the end of this book, like, cause this book ends with them going off into the unknown, seeing if, if they can make this thing work, um, do you think that Scott and Ramona are good for each other? Don't, absent of whether or not they will work out. Like, I mean, if you want to say, if you want to talk about that, you can, but like, do you think they are good for each other? They both have a lot of issues. They're both trying to move on without changing anything. They still kind of want to be the same person and they don't want to fix anything. Um, As it goes on, though, um, and again, when Scott finally fucking figures his shit out, but... It seems like Ramona kind of figured out her stuff a little earlier. Um, yeah, that kind of went nowhere. I, I had it and then I lost it. That's no. okay. Take your time. Try and get it back. Yeah, no, it's gone. Hmm. It's gone. I kind of understand what you're going for, though. Yeah. Because like... I think I completely agree with you. Yeah, for me, it's um, like... So, oh, yeah, sorry, ahead. You were in the middle of saying stuff, Pringle. I'm not just going to dive in there. <laughs> yeah, you interrupted me, Garth. Jeez, callbacks. <laughs> um, 
Now I'm steamrolling. Oh god, I'm becoming Scott. What? <laughs> uh, like, uh, Ramona had figured her stuff out, and Scott had figured her stuff out, but they're still f- figuring it out. They're still working on it. But uh, the last kind of big conversation that we have about with between Scott and Ramona is... Um, and I, I want to pull it up because I do really, really like that last thing that Ramona says. It's the elevator conversation. Yeah. Uh, where Ramona says change is, it's what we get. I guess that's my problem. I always, I'm always trying to beat the clock, outrun the universe. Like nothing can change me as long as I change first. Feeling like I'm in this river, just getting swept along, and if I hold on to anyone, if I'm holding on for dear life, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm stuck. I never wanted to get stuck. And Scott replies, I don't know. Maybe we can get somewhere together. Maybe we can get unstuck. We'd have to be careful. It could be a bumpy ride. It could get messy. But maybe, maybe be worth it. Maybe we just need to hold on. And Ramona says, I've never been good at holding on. And Scott says, hey, you'll get it. It just takes practice. And that is the most real conversation I've, that has had, been had between the two of them. And it's extremely optimistic. Beyond like anything else that's come before, the communication has always been their biggest hurdle to get over. They wouldn't communicate. And that conversation, they're communicating their feelings as well as being uplifting of each other. That's probably the only time that we've actually seen Scott and Ramona genuinely smile at each other with like looking at each other and thinking, yeah, this is a person who's good for me, who's I can work on with, who's willing to change with me, not for me. That right there is probably the single most healthy moment that we see in their entire relationship. Absolutely. Um, to bring it on a more personal note for myself as well, uh, like bringing it back to uh, Kiana and I, we have tried dating twice before and it just never really worked out because we just never were the people that we needed to be. And when we gave it this last shot, we it worked because we both had a different outlook on what we wanted. We've both seen what doesn't work. And we both know that communication is key and that we need to work on that. And we need to be, make sure that we're, uh, rather than just holding on to something and waiting until it's a big fight to bring it out, we say, hey, this isn't working for me. What can we do about it? That's definitely one of the best things you can do in a in a relationship is don't let things fester. If it's yeah. bothering you now, it will only bother you more later. Bring it up. Talk about it. And if it's... If it's a thing you can work through together, then you'll be able to work through it when it's smaller. Much <laughs> easier than when it's come to a big head. But I, uh, Jake, I was kind of bouncing off your point. I hope I hope that you kind of agree with that a little it, bit. No, it helped. It, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, yeah. It was more or less what I was trying to go for. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Uh, but Garth, what about what about you? 
they have a lot of baggage to work through, but I can see them putting in a good effort to work through that together. It's like it the book leaves you with an optimistic feeling for it. Hmm. What did you think of it, Tristy? I, I feel like Tristy's <laughs> gonna be like, no, fuck all of you. <laughs> no. You're all idiots. No. Yeah, are you fucking kidding me? This piece of shit? <laughs> Happy relationship? No. No, part of the part of the reason I'm, I'm like I knew this, but I kind of like re-remembering it as we're sitting here. Like part of the reason I've been so vile towards Scott is because I saw a lot of myself in him. Mm. <laughs> that makes sense. So it's a lot of like it's a lot of me getting angry about my own baggage that I've had, the own and the person that I was that I used to be. Um. Yeah. I guess. It's hard to say for me. I think I know I think I know how I feel about it, but it's still hard to say. Which is weird. Like their relationship is It's also because they're totally they're people with totally different outlooks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were very different people at that point than when yeah. they met up for that first date at well in volume one. Like the they're obviously you already said it like communication is their biggest issue flat out like they don't they share very little with each other um it's hard to really see their personalities mesh because we don't really get to see a lot of it we see a lot of their personalities happening side by side with each other but not with each other um so you know i'd say Literally, for the first five volumes of this six-volume series, no. (laughs) They're not good for each other. They don't really seem to have a lot in common. We don't really know what their long-term goals are, um, even now. We don't get to see... We don't, like, we don't know what kind of... What they want to do, what their jobs look like, what they what kind of jobs they want to have. We know nothing about Scott's ambitions for the future. He probably didn't start thinking about that until the very last few pages of this book, <laughs> of these books. Um. So I still think that there's. Okay. I guess what I would say <coughs> is there is a lot that they have to work through. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot that they have to work through. There's a lot they have to figure out. And there's still so much. There's still so many unknowns that it's 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 like impossible to say how that looks like. Um, what I what mean? can say is that they're looking at it optimistically for not bad reasons um they are talking they are starting communication and i think that it seems like there are they're both at a point where should things not work out they will both be okay and i think all that you can do when you're in a situation like that is be optimistic you just gotta you gotta be optimistic about the future I mean, and you gotta hope for the best. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta shoot for what you're aiming for. Yeah, at, at a certain at certain points in a relationship, it's less about will this work out and more about if we want this to work out, we have to work together and make it work for us. 
which is a, a head that they are most certainly going to come to. Yeah. On probably multiple occasions, but if it's, it's the whole thing about helping each other through it and communicating. So it's I think it's I think it's beautiful and I didn't realize this um until until this last reading. Um but them going off holding hands into subspace seems like we know that subspace is in their heads. Like they're 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 about to go into figuring out all of their personal shit <laughs> together. So I I I don't know that I can answer whether even I, I I know I asked the question, but I don't think I have an answer for whether or not mm. I think they're good for each other. But I think that they're making the right steps to be able to work together. Well, yeah, that's my that's my response to it as well. It's I'm op <laughs> I'm optimistic for them, judging by what I'm seeing. But who knows? Personally, I do think that the people that they become are good for each other because they are they've become better people and they did that together mm -hmm. in that final fight they worked together scott went into her head into subspace to free her i think that they became a lot closer through that as like a giant metaphor for working through uh trauma your past relationships yeah your past relationships <laughs> and the baggage that's come with that i do think it's a very good metaphor it's a very good uh style as well that they that he did it i do think that they're good for each other i don't know if it's going to work out because who knows what's gonna come down yeah. the road who knows what the people they're gonna become but i do think that whatever happens it, it will be that they'll be okay <laughs> It's all that you can hope for. You yeah. never know. You can never know how a relationship's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just have to. You have to do it and hope it does. I mean, hope it turns out okay. That's what I like about the ending. It's not, and they lived happily ever after. It's let's try again. Mm -hmm. Let's see where this takes us. It's it's intentionally left a bit vague, which is good. Yeah. yeah. You don't always have much to... better than the movie ending. <laughs> I mean, the movie ending had similar notes to it, but not as definitively. Let's try again. It was like, oh, and he rides off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. Though I do, That's though I do feel like even with though. even with the movie ending, though the fact that it cuts off to like the the coin countdown and it counts down fully, mm -hmm. still adds a little bit of that maybe to it, but it's not as it's not as clearly in the no. same vein as it is in the yeah. book. They tried, but yeah, books weren't all out yet. Now they're all out. Please do it again. Make a TV again. show. It's a whole separate discussion. Yeah. <laughs> books versus movies. Just that is a whole different can of worms. <laughs> that's how this. That's how this started, and then we were like, "No, that's a bad idea." <laughs> um, to uh, to start wrapping things up. What is something you would like to recommend to our listeners before we plug the socials? Psychonauts 2 just came out. I, I crowdfunded it. It was worth it. It's good. It's yeah. fun. It's much less blunt about 
the mental illness stuff than the first game was. Gentleman Bastard series. Very good book. Yeah, I've awesome. read a few of those. That was that was the was it No wait ah oh, I feel like I have. Was that the one with Private Sharp or am I thinking No. No nope. That's the Lies that of Locke Lamora. There you there, go. There yes, I, could, there I got there go. eventually. <laughs> they are they are fantastic book series. I've read the first I can't recommend them enough. I've read the first one, I need to read more. Oh, oh, the second one is my favorite. Ooh boy. It it oh just out of the three outdoes itself, I feel. Hmm. Because that one had a that one had some really neat world building. Mm-hmm. I do remember from that one. It just set up a really beautiful backdrop for everything. Fourth one's coming out soon. Well, then I guess I have more books to read. Yeah, you do. Read them, I mean, as well as our audience. Read them. I, I can I can distant I can distantly hear my best friends screaming at me to read Gideon the Ninth already. <laughs> I have a couple on backlog to read, but yeah. Definitely gotta get back into that series, because yeah. Very good. Of the one I've read, very good. See Tristy. What have you been have you been trying to get he's, Tristy he's to read been, that he's, one? Yeah, he's been he's been bugging me for a while now. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh Tristy, you got anything? Yeah, read Sunstone again. Oh yeah. <laughs> Another one that I still need to read. <laughs> Yeah, same. You need to read things. I just haven't been reading things lately. Do it. It's so it's so good. It's so worth it. It's still I. It's what I. It's what I've been reading for like the third or fourth time now. I just it. It's just so good. Awesome. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend reading the uh, latest Venom run, written by Donny Cates. It is incredible what he's done. It ties into a lot of different Marvel events that are all like symbiote related but honestly that run in of itself is so well written the characterization is incredible please just go give it a give it a read highly highly recommend um yeah that's that's a wrap on uh this episode just tristan want to plug the socials yeah i'd like to recommend following us on social media at whatever the fuck we are now (laughs) We, we just are, changed the handle. You should we know at... this! <laughs> uh, please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. We are at one of many hosts. There is just all, all spelled out. It's beautiful now. No more numbers. No more of this back uh, and yeah, forth going. Is... One, the number one. One, the character. That was annoying as hell, yeah. so we changed the handle. So if you listen to the past episodes, that is no longer our handle. We are at one of many hosts on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, oh, Pringle, you're going to have to go... One of us is going to have to go back and change that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Edit all those descriptions. I know. Fucking... <laughs> the beauty of change. <laughs> <laughs> change. It's a very painful change, but it's very worth it. Um, Yeah, look uh, look forward to more more tweets, more stuff. Working on working on making the socials just kind of a little bit more clean and a little bit more better. Uh, there's a lot of new followers who are all listening to us or and following us. So thank you. Uh, we welcome all Hopefully of you. You're here. Thank Hi. you. I see it's still growing, which is beautiful. You terrify me. Every single one of you. There <laughs> is uh, 205 of us of followers. So oh really? Wow. 
Yeah, it's a big number. Damn, son. It jumped. It got, it, it, it escalated quite quickly. Well, yes. We appreciate you for sticking around for these inane ramblings of ours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was our episode. If you made it to this point, and the episode did come out because this episode has been cursed with all how many times we've tried to do it. Um, just don't mention it. We're good. We're good. Just, just, just <laughs> get it out. If you've made it to this point, just let us know and let us know what you think. But this was a very good episode. I believe all of us were very proud that we did this and what we've said on it. Mm. And uh, if you think so, it's shit, please tell us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Post your post your itemized rebuttals of everything we've said. Uh, genuinely, I'd love to check. Oh, yeah. I'd love to look. <laughs> Conflicting opinions, or contrasting opinions is rather a better way to put that. Yeah, let us know your opinions on this. And if you really enjoyed us, please go and log into your Apple podcast and give us a rating that you feel. Uh, we would love it if it's five, but we understand if it's a one. For one of many podcasts! Be... <laughs> Be honest. Don't don't uh, let us influence your opinion. But yeah, that that is all. Uh, thank you, and we will see you on the next one. Bye. 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 Bye.